the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. On the road, tied going into the third. Um, never a bad spot to Quick be. Feet in front, they score. 30 seconds in, 2-1 to one Colorado. Somebody forgot Nathan McKinnon was floating out there. Some uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, you know, they keep coming. They come in waves. Um, they skate well. They move the puck well, and uh, they're good on the rush. So. Here's McKinnon, a wired shot. They score. That deflected in around Bennington. It's 3-1 to one Colorado. In Colorado going to take game number one by a score of four to one with some message sending some rough stuff right at the end of the game it's a long series it's a it's a best of seven and it's one game so it is indeed and the blues lost at four to one last night you heard it all right here on your home for the blues 101 espn with alex ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon Kylie. guys there were three keys to the series the blues failed at all three last night you got to slow down the avalanche top line you got to stay out of the box you got to convert on your power play opportunities well The Blues went to the box three times. They did not convert on their power play opportunities. They went 0 for 2 on those situations. And McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen combined for eight points. Three goals, five assists in the game. That line had 11 scoring chances, four. Basically nothing against. Alex, the Blues got off to a really nice start last night. And then from there on... They just got flat out outplayed, especially in the third period. They were outshot 18 to seven in that period, outscored three to nothing. What'd you make of the Blues game one, four to one loss? Uh, Not great. That's for sure. And it is a long series. And I think the best part, and Joey said this on the post game last night, which I agree with. If you're going to get beaten in a playoff game, get beaten embarrassingly, embarrassingly because then there's nowhere else for you to go, right? Like the pressure isn't on St. Louis because you're the underdogs. Everyone's picking Colorado. Colorado had a statement win in that game. But other than the third period, I didn't hate the Blues effort last night. Like the first period, they opened up and despite other people's beliefs, they dominated. I mean, they really did. At least the first six minutes. I well, mean, they got the their thing. butts whipped for the last 10 minutes of the period. They but the first six, they were awesome. They didn't allow a shot on goal until six minutes in from Colorado. And things turned when the Blues gave up the first power play opportunity. Yep. When Ryan O'Reilly took the tripping call, they scored on the power play goal. From there, Colorado got all the momentum. Because before that, Grubauer, he wasn't getting peppered with shots. 
but he was seeing a lot of action, and the Blues really didn't allow Colorado to exit the neutral zone. Second period, Colorado opened that up with a heavy push, and you expected that. High altitude, on the road, long shift. Blues got hemmed in their zone a lot. Jordan Binnington had to be sensational. But then the momentum shifted when Binnington made an incredible save on a two-on-one. Shouldn't have made, shouldn't have happened. But then they go down the ice, they score that goal. It comes down to one period. It comes down to the third period. And for me, the Blues have a lot of things that they're going to need to correct because of that third period. But really overall, I mean, you can't play in a playoff game and have, what, 23 shots on goal, 27 shots on goal against this team. You played a lot of perimeter hockey. You didn't get to the front of the net. Um, You brought the physicality, I think. I thought that was the most impressive thing about the first six minutes for the Blues. They were clearly establishing this is the way we are going to play. There was a clear message from the coaching staff to the players that was implemented onto the ice. The Blues were finishing every check. It was as aggressive aggressive rather as I have seen Vladimir Tarasenko play since he's returned from an injury last year. Um, I thought that you had a really nice start as well out of Mike Hoffman. I thought he played a good game overall for me. Bennington was excellent. I thought the team as a whole, Braden Shin dropping the gloves. I mean, everything. The first six minutes, I was like, oh, whoa, okay. We might have something here. The Blues are coming out ready. And then the problem was they couldn't sustain that. And it was totally unsustainable. You can't play that way for 60 minutes. But I was really impressed with their first six minutes. Uh, And for me, you know what the problem was? It all started with them missing their opportunities to score. Like, you got to capitalize on your chances. Colorado capitalized on their opportunities when they had them. Blues didn't. Vladimir Tarasenko had two separate scoring opportunities in the early. You got to convert there because you suck the life out of the building. You you show Colorado that, one, you're going to bring the physical play. And two, this is not going to be an easy series. And right now, I think Colorado's feeling like this is going to be an easy series. So it's back to the drawing board. There's areas that need to be fixed. But if you're taking any optimistic route out of this series, the first two periods, in my opinion, were something to build off of. You've got to avoid that third period, which the Blues have been really great at the third period this season. They have been, but the problem is it's always that one period, right? Right now, the Blues are a 40-minute team. They can play really well for 40 minutes in any hockey game. It might be the first and the second where they're great. It might be the first and the third. It's not about when they are great. It's about the fact that they're missing that 20-minute span for whatever reason. And I cannot explain it. I can't. Because if you were somebody that just watched exclusively the first six minutes of the first period and then like the second half of the second period, you probably thought the Blues were in that game. Because that's about half the game, basically, that they were they were the better team, frankly. But it was what happened in the other like 25, 28 minutes of the game that just crushed them. And the end results, a 4-1 loss, and they got destroyed by that top line from the Avs. And this is where Alex will get into this a little bit more later on. I think that I know we made a lot of the David Perron loss, right? And what that was going to mean for the team. It was even more significant than I could have expected going into that game. I thought Ryan O'Reilly was not very good last night. Defensively, he looked a little off. I don't know if it was because of the lack of chemistry between those lines. I'm trying to cover sometimes for guys where he shouldn't have. Got caught watching the puck on that uh, McKinnon goal that was right in front of the net. Offensively, just a a little bit out of sync. I think he's going to be fine. But I think you saw some of the pitfalls of not having the guy that's been his line mate for basically his entire time here in St. Louis last night. Uh, that that was tough to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, look, it, if you talk to Ryan O'Reilly and he spoke with the media afterwards, I mean, 
not the game that he would have preferred. But I'll give Ryan O'Reilly credit. He did something that a lot of his teammates didn't do. He went to the front of the net. Sure. Ryan O'Reilly too. Shen went to the front of the net. I mean, those two guys, are, they planted themselves in front of Philip Grubauer. And the fast lane had Jamie McLennan on. And he basically gave a scouting report on how to beat Philip Grubauer. You got to put traffic in front of the net. You have to limit his ability to go post to post. If you make a move, then you're going to find ways to beat this guy. Blues didn't do that. I mean, you had Ryan O'Reilly in front of the net who got beaten up a couple of times. And Braden Shen. But where's Jaden Schwartz? Where's Vladimir Tarasenko? Where's Mike Hoffman? Where's Robert Thomas? At the end of the day, they were their top players were better than your top yep. players. And that's what this come down, comes down to. You can talk about missing David Perron all you want. And yes, I think Perron's absence really hurt this team on the power play. Absolutely. At five on five, it, you can take anybody out of the lineup and you're going to have success because it's a system. And the See, Blues- I disagree with that. I just I, I think that you saw it at five on five last night. His loss in the lineup, I thought, was huge. I thought you missed that guy being up there with Ryan O'Reilly because it hurt you in the offensive zone. This team against against the Avs is going to have to sustain offensive pressure. And there were too many times for me where it seemed like there was just there was something off about that top line. It just didn't quite click for whatever reason. And you look, but at the end of the day, you it's a systematic approach. You could put Perron in there and you're going to have the same issues. You're going to find the puck coming out of the zone. The Blues weren't playing the system. They would do it in spurts. It felt like they were playing defensive hockey because they didn't want to have Colorado any puck possession in the neutral zone. And so what they would do is they would get it out of their zone. They would skate it up the ice. When they were beyond their game, they would dump and chase and forecheck hard. But then when they were off their game, it was perimeter hockey. They would come in, they would shoot from the perimeter, and then they would come back out of the zone. You can't play like that against Colorado. If you're going to beat them, you're going to have to sustain 60 minutes of hockey for checking, following through, and not allowing Colorado to get the puck behind their net and move it up the boards as fast as they do. So you mentioned that the Avalanche best players were better than the Blues best players. There was one exception to that statement. Jordan Bennington was maybe the best player on the ice last night. Here's a couple of uh, the the goals that he prevented on the call last night for Chris Carver. They shoot and kept out somehow by Jordan Bennington. He denies Jost, and then with the rebound coming in, Bennington managed to keep it out again. He's been unbelievable here in game one. Rantanen in front. What a save by Bennington. Barbashev checks Rantanen. Rantanen again in front. Leaves it there. Here's Timmons with a shot. Bennington the save. What a save. We're better in front of him. We're going to have a chance to win and, and, and beat these guys. And That was Ryan O'Reilly there at the end. And I think Jordan Bennington, for me, was the biggest bright spot for the Blues last night. He was amazing. He had never faced more than 39 shots in any playoff game. And last night he saw 49 of them. He saved 46. And if you look back for the Blues and their playoff history, his 46 saves were the most by a Blues goalie in a playoff game since Jake Allen had 51 against the Wild back in 2017. Before that, you have to go all the way back to Cujo saving 47 shots in 1994. It was the second highest volume game for a Blues goalie in the playoffs, basically, in the last 25 years. Bennington was spectacular last night. I know it ended up with four goals on the board for the Avs, but that is not a statement against Jordan Bennington. He was great. Yeah, he was great. And you had to have him great. And hopefully people can get away from the narrative now of Jordan Bennington's not a 
starting goaltender for the Blues because he showed you right there in the postseason that the bubble was an anomaly with him. Um, you got to be better in front of him, though. I, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly said it. You had you allowed 80 shot attempts from Colorado. 50 of Ooh. them hit the net. Like, you can't have that performance in front of Jordan Bennington. And a lot of that came in that third period when things got sloppy and the Blues kind of got away from their game. But again if there's if there's a positive from this performance it's the fact that Jordan Bennington now for me I walked away from that thinking man you might have just spoiled a game that he stole for you like I don't know if Jordan Bennington can do that every night because that's an awful lot to ask of your goaltender but if you're going to take any solace away the fact that he showed some fire at the end of that hockey game for me at least was good knowing you're going you're going into Wednesday's performance with Jordan Bennington with a little bit more anger into his game, which I think is always a benefit. Yeah. And it, it, for me, it was just like setting aside what happened at the end, his performance throughout, he was clearly on, they mentioned it on the broadcast a million different times. He was locked in from start to finish. He was just, that was the best version of Jordan Bennington in every possible way. And I think there's something about Binner, Alex, that for whatever reason, when the moments are the biggest, that's when he is at his best. And I don't know what it is about his game. Maybe it's that's how he ended up getting to the NHL and how he stayed is his back was against the wall. And that's when he performs his best. But we saw that last night from him. And so moving forward, as long as there is not a dip in his performance, the rest of this series I think we can go ahead and put to rest any of the questions about him as a playoff performer. There can still be some questions about him in the regular season, but as a playoff performer, I'll take that dude every single time. Yeah, gives you a chance to win every night, which is all you need. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. He'll join us to break down what he saw last night. It's 11.15, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next... Guys, last night, Albert Poole's decision it started to make a little more sense to me as I was watching that Dodgers game. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. It's a ground ball base hit into center field. Albert Pujols brings home Mookie Betts for the Los Angeles Dodgers. How cool. I, I told him I'm, I'm here to do whatever, you know, uh, pinch it, first base, whatever they want. Uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, just I'm just excited to have this opportunity to, to wear this uniform. And, uh, you know, glad to be here. A bunch of great group of guys in this clubhouse. Uh, and uh, they're already making me feel like home. I got to say, last night watching that game and with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. I, I was I was like, oh, OK, now I get it. Now I understand why Albert Pujols decided to sign with the L.A. Dodgers. I was a little skeptical yesterday going into the day whenever we had heard the news. But then you get the lineup for the Dodgers. It's like, OK, Albert Pujols starting at first. He's going to end up batting cleanup. It's like, wait, he's batting cleanup for the Dodgers, the team that we all thought was going to win 110 games this year. Is that is that just like a respect veteran thing, the way that we see here in St. Louis with Matt Carpenter, where if he replaces somebody, on, he immediately gets Carp. their spot into the lineup? Or is this like a... I thought we cooked him already. He's clearly your, your fourth best hitter. Guys, he legitimately might be their fourth best hitter in the lineup that they put out there last night. And so... I don't know if that's a good thing for the Dodgers. It's a terrible <laughs> thing for the Dodgers. Given their injuries that they're dealing with right now, I, I think that this makes sense. I will also say, I am not convinced... 
that Albert Pools will be on their roster the remainder of the season. Nope. I think it's totally in play. We are talking about this conversation once again in late July, early August of, hey, could Albert Pujols be an option for the Cardinals as a bench bat for the stretch run? I think that's in play because I think he's basically a holdover for the Dodgers where this was an opportunity for him to once again showcase his skills for other team while they are hurt. You and I are on the same page, BK. This is an audition for Albert Pujols. I think this was a matter of, hey, Albert, you don't need to leave L.A. You can stay in your home. You don't have to move very far away. Your family can stick with what they're doing for at least a couple of months because it gives us the opportunity to let Cody Bellinger rest, to let these other guys rest rest but when they come back you're going to be a bench bat you could be a bench bat or you can go showcase yourself and tell another major league team in the american league hey look i can be your dh so i i from the moment he signed i did not think this was going to be sustained over a long period of time and pujols even said at that media press conference that his plan is to play next season as well so this is more so than anything going to the best team expected to be in baseball this season and to go out there and say, look, I can perform in the cleanup spot for the best team in baseball right now. This is why you need to sign me. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't know if he's going to stay around, even if he's playing well. And the reason I say that is because when you think of the Dodgers in the last couple of years, what's their big thing? Well, everybody's versatile where they can play. It's like you get into the playoffs, they're mixing and matching, and they're putting like uh, a Max Muncie, a guy who can play basically the right side of the infield and Gavin also Lux, do a little bit of the thing. outfield. He can play yeah, second, Gavin he can play Lux. short. And they do that a lot in the playoffs where they will mix and match guys where they may start a guy at second, he may end up in right, and then he may end up in left, and then if you're lucky, he may end up at third base Chris as Taylor well. was the poster child for all that. Yeah, so I, I look at that and I go, well, Pools doesn't fit any of that. Yeah, he would be a great bench bat to have, but the Dodgers aren't known for keeping – just a bench bat that has no versatility. They're known for their versatility. So if he plays well with the Dodgers and he's off to the good start, one for four with an RBI, I I find it, I'm kind of split. I kind of hard to believe that they would keep him, even if he's playing well, when they could probably deal him to a team like St. Louis that needs a bench bat. Yeah, I mean, you could you could just look at it, right? Edwin Rios, when he gets back, what's that mean for Albert Pujols? What's it mean when Corey Seager returns and now you've got, instead of Max Muncy moving around the diamond, okay, he's going to be exclusively at first base. And then you go even further, A.J. Pollock, Cody Bellinger return. Okay, there's four guys that need 20, 26-man roster spots. Albert Pujols probably going to be on the cutting block at some point for the Dodgers. And it seems like that point would probably be about a month from now, maybe a little further. So you get into July... I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a trade out there for Albert Pujols for somebody where it's like cash considerations going back to the Dodgers. I don't think we've had the last conversation about Pujols potentially ending his career in, in St. Louis. I think whether that be in the offseason, definitely. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we get to mid-July and we're starting to talk about this again. By the way, Albert Pujols did talk yesterday before the game about how things ended in L.A. with the Angels. And he wanted to clear up the seemingly misconception about his playing time discussion. I think, you know, there's a lot of things out there say, oh, that he wanted more playing time. He wanted to play every day, which that never comes out of my mouth. You guys ask me that question over and over so many times. And I always tell you guys, uh, however the team use me, I'm here for that. Whether it's mentor the young guys, whether it's, you know, giving my bats out there. Listen, I have 80-some bats this year. I never thought that so early in April I was going to have that many bats. And, and I was excited with the playing, uh, the playing time that I got in there. But I also understand that they wanted to move different direction, and, and I respect that. You know, I was in that organization for nine and a half years, and, you know, there's no hard feeling at all. Let's go ahead and make a prediction here. 
Do you believe that Albert Pujols finishes this season on the Dodgers? Do no. you think that he will finish the 2021 season with LA? The only part of me that sits here and says yes is the, if he feels like it's his best chance to win a World Series. And if he's fine with a bat role and a mentor role, then your best bet probably would be the Dodgers. If every, sure. I mean, it's everyone's expectation. But no, if I were to say today that he's a part of the Dodgers, I don't think so. Because I think he's going to show himself. I mean, look, the dude picked up an RBI single in his first at bat with the Dodgers. He's going to feel like he can still play. And I think because of that, when people come back with health in the Dodgers, he's going to say, no, I want to go see what else is out there. Tanner, you think he finishes the year with the Dodgers? Right now, I'm going to say yes. Just because I think if he produces, and again, it's so early, one for four, I'm going to say yes because I think he could be a bench bat that they could bring off in in the postseason, a guy that they have, just that one guy that gets that one at bat, kind of the role we talked about with the Cardinals. So right now I say yes, but I when I say yes, I'm at like 51 to 49%. I'm going to say no, and I think he ends up with the Cardinals. I think he finishes this season with the Cardinals still. I think he will get to a point in late July, early August, he becomes available. And you remember that comment from Bill DeWitt III when he was on with Carriker and Smallman last week. And he said, hey, right now, it doesn't make sense for us. Maybe later this season, this could be something that makes a little bit more sense with the roster complexion at that time. I think it's going to. I think he's going to be available. And I think he finishes the year with the the Cardinals. And I think he has a big moment for and them going into the postseason. He doesn't even make the postseason roster for the Dodgers, in my opinion. No when chance. they're at full health, he doesn't make that postseason roster. I don't think he's going to make the like late July roster. I just don't think he makes sense for them. Is it a late July health. roster? Well, the twenty six man roster in late July, I should oh, clarify okay. right there. I, I think it's more likely that if Pujols is going to leave L.A., the Dodgers this time, not the Angels, it's going to go to an American League club. He'll go back to the Angels. Because I watched I watched him last night, and I, it just doesn't – and I'm, it's not anything against Albert, but it's just – I see him, like, running the bases, and yeah, he, he, just, do he just doesn't move yeah, well at you all. You get him and on base, you, you got to get three hits to score him. Yeah, and you can't, you can't play him at first base, and even the pinch hitting role, it would make more sense for me to have him as a DH where he can just hit – and then there's a chance for a run. The, the pinch hitting role in the NL is he's going to pinch hit. If he gets the single like he did last night, you have to pinch run. And there you burn yeah, You're two looking spots. for damage. Yeah. You're hoping for damage. When he comes up to the plate, you're hoping he hits a home run, and that's the way that you're able to score a run late in the innings. And if he gets on base, whatever, it is what it is, and you live with it, right? But um, his role with this team, if you were to sign in St. Louis, would be I'm coming here to mash taters. I'm coming here Whoa. to hit homers late in games against re- left-handed potatoes? relievers. With Alex Ferrario like and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Like Jeremy potatoes. Rutherford is our blues insider for 101 ESPN. Does that they have mashed potatoes? Power through this. He's going to join us next to give you his biggest takeaway from last night's 4-1 to loss for the Blues. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Blues take one on the chin last night, 4-1 to one against the Colorado Avalanche in Game 1 of the series, hoping to rebound in Game 2 tomorrow night. You'll hear that action right here on 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario has your pregame coverage beginning at 8.30. Real early start. Right now, we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, talking things over with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. JR, what's going on, man? How you doing today? Good. I would have come in studio, though, if I'd have known you were mashing taters in there. <laughs> hey, that's what we're here for. That's, Just It's BK's new nickname. Just BK mashing taters, Kylie. <laughs> that's that's what they've called me all my life. JR, what went wrong for the Blues last night? 
Oh, I think a few things. Uh, first of all, I think that uh, Jordan Bennington, you know, back in early April when he made the 50 saves and said we're coming, I don't think he was hoping for another 50 shots on goal <laughs> anytime soon. I think that's the number one takeaway. But listen, I mean, it's like you go to the movie theater and you've seen the movie before. You know what's coming. You know, that's the situation with the Colorado Avalanche. You know how they play. You know how good they are. And and I think that's what happened last night. We've seen that movie before. And, and the biggest thing is you got to rewind the tape. Yeah, McKinnon's in the slot. He's open. He gets the shot off. But you got to rewind the tape to when they come in the zone. And I think uh, all night long, that's what leads to the 50 shots is getting in the zone so easy getting his own time and then peppering with shots and, and all of a sudden it's up to 50. So uh, I just think that the blues have to do a much better job, easier said than done of uh, standing up at the blue line and trying to eliminate some of that speed and trying to get in a situation where they can prevent some of that. Jared, what do you think is going on in their own zone? Because we've seen it a lot this season, but man, there were multiple times last night where it felt like the Blues were fo- focusing on one player who had the puck. They'd go two guys at him for a hit, and the next thing you know, you'd have Nathan McKinnon standing alone in the slot waiting for a one-timer. Yeah, and I know some people, like when I tweet, that's Nathan McKinnon, he's amazing. People say, no, the Blues messed up. It, it's actually a little bit of both, and I, I understand why you would want to focus on the Blues because you can uh, prevent that, like uh, Craig Bruby said afterwards. But Nathan McKinnon, like we saw with Brett Hall, you find spots on the ice where you can get open, and, and that's what he did last night. So you have to give those superstar players some credit for putting themselves in that position. But you did have, a, you know, on that play, you had uh, Scandella fallen. You had... You know, Braden Shen, I get what he's doing. He's going to the wall. He's trying to get in the puck battle, uh, but but he comes uh, away without the puck. And then Scandella goes behind the net, kind of half-hearted effort, you know, to deny the pass, and it's out front where McKinnon gets the shot, and you have uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Jaden Schwartz not aware of him. And, and O'Reilly admitted after the game, he said, look, i got to have my head on a swivel and be aware of those dangerous chances. So to me, it's a combination of a, a lot of those things. Uh, but uh, like I said, Nathan McKinnon is Nathan McKinnon. We're talking to Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. JR, other than Jordan Bennington, what do you think were the bright spots for the Blues last night? Because I know we can sometimes get lost into, hey, Blues lose 4-1. to one. They got dominated in the third period in particular. What were the bright spots for the Blues last night? Yeah, I think that there were a couple things. I think the start, uh, you worry about a start. I know it's the playoffs. I know they're amped up. I know all that. But still, you know, to, to come out humming the way they did and, Hold Colorado without a shot on goal for the first six minutes. It changed after that. Obviously, they get the power play goal and, and so on and so forth. But to me, that's a bright spot. Uh, to me, another bright spot is secondary scoring. And obviously, there wasn't a ton of it uh, from anybody last night. But I thought Mike Hoffman looked pretty good on that third line. He got bumped up. Uh, Jordan Cairo had the goal. Uh, so I think if the Blues are going to have a chance in this series, if those top lines are going to somewhat cancel each other, and obviously that didn't happen last night, but if the Blues aren't going to get offensive production from their top guys, they're going to have to get it from somewhere. Uh, so I thought uh, the Kyra goal and, and Hoffman with a couple chances was a bright spot. And the power play, you know, only two chances, but, you know, they had some opportunities. Just have to bury it. So it's a little bit to build off of, but to me, it all goes back uh, to slowing down that line. And it comes down to chemistry for those lines too, JR, right? To build some offense. And it just felt like that the top line really couldn't find it with Schwartz O'Reilly and Shen. It really feels like Shen has become a centerman for the team because that's what we've seen the most success from him is when he's at the center position. Yeah, and you just really are at a disadvantage without 
Perron because I think that they like their lines going into the series the way they had them before they found out that uh, Perron wasn't going to be able to play. So you have to mix and match. I know that some people look at the lines and say, why don't you put this guy in? Why don't you move this guy over? Well, they're trying to find two lines that they can put on the ice against that McKinnon line. So you're looking for defensively responsible guys. You can't just bump Jordan Cairo up to the top line and say, hey, go get some offense. That's just not how it works. So uh, Braden Shen, he's definitely at center on my team when you're going into a playoff series and, and you want everything clicking. Uh, you know, if you got him on the left wing, you know, that's not the worst thing. But now they're half, having to move him over to the right side uh, just because they're looking for that balance and that, that those two lines with defensive responsibility. JR, um, when you look at the situation with David Perron, is there is there any way of knowing if he's potentially going to be available in this series at any point? Well, here's the way I look at it. Uh, and yesterday I, I did tweet that, hey, let's let's be careful here because we don't know the situation. There's a lot of secrecy involved with the COVID. You know, I've been in touch with some people trying to find answers, and you know, either they can't say, the league can't say, so you kind of you know have the uh, curtain pulled over everything. But the one thing that I was trying to point out to people yesterday is that no one has confirmed that he has a case of COVID. Uh, no one has uh, said that he tested positive. You remember the Blues came out and said that Jake Wallman tested positive. They didn't do that this time with David Perron. And the one thing I was trying to warn people a little bit is you have to have that second negative test at 24 hours and, and, and another negative test at uh, 48 hours. And we were still inside, I believe, uh, that window. Now we're past that 48-hour window, so you have to believe that if there were two negative tests, you know, we would have known it by now. Uh, but the one thing, you listen to all these Zoom interviews, and maybe they're just talking in cliches, but a lot of players, you know, saying, hey, if we have to play without David for one game, we'll go out and do it. So uh, we'll just keep refreshing our screens and looking at that COVID list every day at 4 or 5 and, and find out what the latest is. You just described journalism to a T, didn't you, JR? Just sit in front of a computer <laughs> and keep refreshing until you get the answer, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's tough. And, you know, there are stories out there. Everybody wants more information, and it's our job to make phone calls and find out and sometimes use sources uh, for that. But uh, I just got to be honest with people in this situation. It's a t- tough uh, nut to crack. How much do you think he was missed on the ice, though, from your perspective? I was just telling somebody that. Somebody asked, uh, you know, how much uh, do you think they missed him? And keep in mind, David Perron, he's told this story, and others in the locker room have told it. He goes up to every player before the game at their locker stall and says something. It might be a joke. It might be something serious. It might be a reminder of something in the game. It might be, hey, how'd your kid do on his math test yesterday? But they always joke around that this guy just never shuts up. And so imagine you're sitting at your locker stall, and you know I'm not saying it throws them off their game or anything like that, but you know, you're sitting at your locker stall getting ready for a game, and the chatterbox isn't around. And then you get out on the ice, and he chirps the other team, but he's also – uh, in his own guy's ear, and, and, and so you miss it. I know they're used to playing without teammates. It happens all the time, but he's one of the more vocal guys, so I'm sure it felt like a little something was missing. And then on, on the ice, I mean, you don't need to say anything more than he leads the team in points. JR, did your confidence in the Blues in this series change at all last night? Like, I, I know they, they lose that game 4-1. to one. Did anything about that game change the way that you view this series? Yeah, it's a good question. Um... I don't think the series is over even after watching last night. I do think the Blues can win a game. I think they can 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 make the series competitive. I do think they need David Perron uh, back in the lineup. You know, it appears that that might not be the case, uh, but I like their chances a heck of a lot better uh, with him. 
but they're just going to have to go back to the to the film room and, and figure out what they can do against that line. And then the biggest thing is you can plan all you want, but you have to execute. You know, the guys Scandella and Pareko and and uh, Shen Schwartz O'Reilly that are going to play a lot of ice time against that line. You know, they got to be in their face. So to me, uh, you know, confidence level, I think it's probably about where it was going into last night's game because I don't see how you could watch last night's game and think that anything, you know, was surprising. So so we'll see. I still think they can be competitive against them, uh, but they're going to have to do something about everything we, we just talked about. Uh, JR, final one for me. I know they have an optional skate later on today. I think it's at like 3 o'clock St. Louis time. But do you envision Craig Berube doing any changes with a lineup other than the possibility of Perron being back? Yeah, I think there's a possibility, uh, you know, could Vince Dunn come back? I know that Craig Ruby said yesterday that uh, he wasn't ready. Um, you know, I thought Nikola and, and Bortuzzo were as fine as you probably expect them to be. Um, the other thing is, does Kyle Clifford stay in? You know, if uh, abs are just going to run up and down the ice, is there a purpose for him? Maybe you get a Clint Costin in there. I know he just got over here. I know he just had the two games, but perhaps he can give you a little bit more uh, skill and, and a lot more physicality on that line. So those are probably two of the things that I would look at. They just don't have a ton of options. JR, we appreciate the time as always, my man. We will be watching uh, for your latest pieces over at The Athletic. I know you put up a good one earlier today. We will be subscribing over there, following you on Twitter as well, at JP Rutherford. All the best, and we'll talk with you after what is going to be yet another late game yeah, for the Blues. JR, open invitation for you, buddy. If you want to come sit in studio with me Wednesday until 1.30 in the morning, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> I think I'll take a pass on that one. Bring some mashed potatoes, I might. <laughs> Only with That's... BK uh, taters over here. That's JR. <laughs> Always appreciate it, my man. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Uh, that is Jeremy Rutherford on 101 ES. The text line has given you the new nickname. You know that, right? Somebody says you could call him B. Tater. Oh, I like that. B. Tater from BK Hater, right? Come on now. Dad joke. Dad joke. Not, someone not said, even a good someone, one. Someone said you can just call you BTK, but uh, someone actually already had that nickname, and <laughs> it didn't work out too well for him, so we'll stay away from that. What we'll happened? Just, eh, well, it turned into a pretty violent outcome. We'll, oh, just, okay. we'll just go that for Okay, cool. With Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendrickson, I'm no Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 10 happened? minutes or so, rough game for Ryan O'Reilly last night. That line as a whole, I think it's easy to explain. I know Alex disagrees with me, though. We'll get into that coming up at the tw- top of the 12 o'clock hour. Coming up next, though, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Questions and answers on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. And I'm Brandon Kylie. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service tax line from the six three six. Guys, who do you think was up later last night, Ferrario or Jamie Rivers? And who do you think was more sober watching that game? All right. So, um, well, Jamie wins the sober part. Or, I'm sorry, I win the sober part because I know Jamie. You were on the radio. Been. Yeah, I was on the radio. And then when I got home, like you know, I knew my baby was going to be up in like four hours. So like I had those responsibilities. The problem is though, and I'm sure Jamie goes through this as well because he does work during the Blues games. Like once you do post game, like you gotta have the energy up. So like when I get home, there's there. like you gotta unwind, and it is not easy to do. Like especially being exhausted. So like I sat there for I don't know maybe like forty five minutes to an hour, and I'm like, okay, well I'll watch a TV show or I'll turn on my PlayStation for a little bit, see if that shuts me down. Um, so that's I, the opposite of what you should be doing. Well, <laughs> well I, I, I feel you though. Usually I, what it is is it, until Netflix took the office off of. 
their sure. streaming services. It was going home to watch The Office. Like, I'd get an episode in, and like 20 minutes later, be like, oh, okay, we're good now. I'm going to bed. But it is not easy, man. I, uh, I didn't get yourself a good book. I didn't host Blues Pre and Post, of course. But people read? <laughs> I ran the board for Alex during the bubble last year, and we'd get done at what, like 1, yeah, 1.30, kind of like last all night. 9 o'clock starts. I'd get home, and I'd stay up to like 4 in the morning because yeah. I just could not shut down. Yeah, yeah I've been there. Uh, I, I hosted. Blues pregame oh, yeah, and postgame like. once upon a time, and oh, it yeah, was you a did get West the Coast road trip oh, the man. entire time. That baby came at the perfect time, didn't she? <laughs> and I can tell you, I was sick at the time. I had no issues going to sleep at night. I can promise you that much. Actually, joke's on you. Uh, baby was born two weeks before that. I just yeah, wanted sure. to take an extra time off. And yeah, absolutely. I did it that way. Smart. 65780 is the air covered service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Alex, how much do you think the Blues are missing Oscar Sundquist right now? Oh, 100% they're missing him. Missing him on the penalty kill without a question. I mean, look, you killed off the two power plays in the second period, which was big, but you always need an Oscar Sundquist on the ice. Um, Where do you think he would be playing right now in the lineup? I think he'd be in Sanford spot. Yep. I think he'd be a fourth-line centerman for you. And honestly, he could be in an Ivan Barbashev role on a third line playing a wing. He's just so... He's so universal in your lineup to where you could play him on the top line. Honestly, he might be getting a shot playing on that top line with O'Reilly and Perron trying to find some offense. So Oscar Sundquist is definitely missed uh, for the Blues, and it comes into many different ways. And, you know, JR made a really good point, which I think is very important about Perron and Sundquist, two of the more vocal guys in the locker room. And I would I would equate those two to kind of what Pat Maroon was when he was here because they're just kind of that they're, – they're the tension You're talking breaker. about the off-ice. Yeah, component. I'm not talking about them on the ice. I'm talking about them off the ice. Although Sunquist does play a little bit like the big <laughs> rig in front of the net. But like they're tension breakers. Like they're 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 vocal, they joke, they have fun, and you miss that, I think. So they're definitely in need of an Oscar Sunquist, and he's going to be a breath of fresh air next season when he's back. Six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line from the six three six. Guys, my favorite part of last night was Braden Shin's big hit early on and then the fight that came right after it. What'd you think of that moment? Ooh, that was your favorite. I mean, he got beat up. And I love Braden Shen. Braden Shen, like, doesn't lose fights, but he lost that fight against Landeskog. Can we listen to the call from Altitude Sports 92.5 in Colorado? My guy, Connor McGay, he hit it. Let's hear it. Have you heard this yet? I haven't heard it, but he is so energetic. Landeskog's going right by Landeskog. Right by Landeskog. Another right by Landeskog. Right by Landeskog. He's beating up Shen. Right by Landeskog. And he throws Shen down to the ice. You come into this house. You get the captain standing up for his teammate. What a fight by Gabriel Landeskog! And this place is on absolute fire. Okay, first I gotta correct myself. That's Mark Mosier who was with us on Friday. Incredible broadcaster. Can you play the beginning of that again, Tim? Right did right did all he throw were rights? Did all he Landeskog's going right by Landeskog! Right by Landeskog! Another right by how many rights are we throwing into this one, Landis? I think there was a lefty in there. Every once in a while. So, so yeah, let's do it again. one more time. Let's count how many rights there were by Landis Gog. Landis Gog's going right by Landis Gog. Right by Landis Gog. Another right by Landis Gog. Right by Landis Gog. He's beating up Shen. Right by Landis Gog. And he throws Shen down in the ice. Five rights in there. Like, that's, I mean, what are we doing here, Landis Gog? Now people know what you're going to do. At some point, doesn't Shen have to be able to talk from the kitchen? Yeah, right? Can't you, like, block that right that's coming in and go to the left but no look I, I i liked both sides of it and landeskog said it after the game he said look that was not a dirty hit by shen no. and it wasn't a dirty hit i'm glad they didn't call a penalty on that because they just ran into each other in an awkward way 
but I respect Gabriel Landeskog for doing that. 100%. He, he had no reason to go into that fight other than he wanted to step up for his teammates. And you expect your captain to do that. So I had no issues with that. I loved the fact that Braden Shed answered the bell. And I love Landeskog stepping up for it. You need that energy. I loved everything about that. Yeah. And it set the tone for this series, right? You, you got it at the beginning with that fight. And then you got it at the end with a little bit of a skirmish, whatever you want to call that. The extracurriculars at the end of the game. As what this is going to be. And I will say this. I've gained a lot of respect in that one game for this Colorado team because I would have thought after those first six minutes, Colorado of yesteryear would have laid down. Yeah, they would have backed away. That would have been a team that saw the Blues ready to have a rock fight and they would have been like, "Uh oh, we're ducking for cover. We're not interested in getting into that kind of a game right now. And they didn't. And I think that was part of why Landis God came up big in that spot was because he was basically saying to the rest of his team, we're not allowing this to happen this year. Yep. This time it's different. And it was different. And you saw the results at the end of that game. They played physically. I, I, I got to give credit where it's due. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche deserve a ton of credit for the way that they were able to respond from a big time flurry of activity, activity from the Blues and, early and on. And if I'm not mistaken, that was... That was right around the time after the Blues had pretty much dominated the first period. Where yeah, they it didn't was, allow, yeah. There was a 10-minute, 10 10-and-a-half 10 or 10.47-minute mark of that period. And up until that point, it was all St. Louis Blues. They had that big hit. Landeskog steps up. Then, of course, Colorado runs runs away with it. So that's what you need to avoid. And Baruby told Kerber on the pregame show last night that you got to avoid those, those extra post-whistle situations because you don't want to, one, draw yourself a penalty that you don't need, and two, you don't want to give them any life to build momentum off of because that's what the Blues did so well in their cup run. Every time San Jose or Winnipeg or Dallas or Boston would get into those extracurriculars, the Blues would just get thrown around a little bit they'd skate away and then they'd be the ones that came back out and showed them up and i think that's what colorado did to the blues last night with alex ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon kiley hey coming up at about 12 15 we're going to be joined by john forsland he was on the call last night for nbc sports we'll get his perspective on blues versus avalanche coming up in about 15 minutes or so coming up at the one o'clock hour we've got another trivia game but we've nice. learned better Uh-oh. after what happened yesterday. Wait, so, we're, so we're not going to give people just the option to answer and be here for 45 minutes? No, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to give Tanner some trivia. Oh, what? yeah. And we want to get you involved and give you an opportunity to win a four-pack of tickets to this Wednesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Pirates. The Budweiser Bash features an exclusive Ken Reed's bobblehead with a portion of each ticket the Ken Reads Foundation. You can get all the details at cardinals.com slash promotions. If you don't want to do that, though, if you just want to win some tickets, listen for the rest of the show today, and you will get your chance to do so right here on 101 ESPN. Here's your first code word. Write this down somewhere. Put it in your phone. Whatever you got to do. So that way you've got it in the 1 o'clock hour whenever we're getting ready to do trivia. The first code word is Wainwright. The first code word for today is Wainwright. Like your next Eric code Wainwright? word. Similar. Your next code word will be in the 12 o'clock hour. Keep it locked in right here on 101 ESPN for your chance to win the four-pack of Cardinals tickets. Coming up next, Ryan O'Reilly, for my money, did not have a great game last night. I also think it's really easy to explain why. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You come into this house, that's what you get! This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
He's our top uh, scorer. Um, brings a lot of energy. Um, you know, he's a game changer. So uh, obviously, uh, to not have your 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 top scorer in the lineup's tough. But um, you know, not one guy is gonna fill his shoes and and make up for that. We all gotta chip in and do it together. So hopefully, we we get him back. Uh, you know, as soon as we can. But until then, we're all gonna have to step up. That was Tyler Bozak after the game last night on how much the Blues missed David Perron. I thought it was noticeable. And one place where we just kind of disagree on this a little bit, Alex, is how noticeable it was at five on five. But mm-hmm. you certainly agree it was noticeable on the power play at the very least. Yeah, and I will I will agree with you on the fact that it's noticeable when you don't have Perron on the ice because of the chemistry that they have built together. Absolutely. But the reason I went that route was because this is a systematic approach. And when you lose a player, you plug somebody in and you hope that they can bring the same effort as Perron. For sure. And I thought last night it was noticeable specifically with Ryan O'Reilly in five on five. I, I felt like he was... He was he looked almost remember that period of time it was about a month ago now probably where we were like he looks a little indecisive he's doing a little too much or whatever mm-hmm. and then he got into a great groove Ryan O'Reilly did where he was playing at just such an incredibly high level and last night I felt like he was kind of a little more hesitant and there would be moments where he wasn't sure what those around him were going to do and so he would take a, an extra second and against this team you don't have that extra second and that's both offensively and defensively so I thought it was easy to explain why he didn't have his best game last night. Uh, Tyler Bozak spoke to that after the game. I also thought Joey Vitale on the post game show with you, Alex, made some really great points about the construction of the lineups right now. And I wanted to play this for our audience that may not have been up at 1230 last night as the post game show was taking place because what? Joey talked about the loss of Perron and what this means right now for the Blues as they move forward in this series. Ryan O'Reilly maybe missed the puck or he made a pass it to someone that wasn't there. You know, so I think that that disconnection of not having Perron in the lineup, not only did it cause problems five on five for Ryan O'Reilly and those kind of guys, and I do expect to see a line adjustment moving forward because I don't, I don't think keeping Shen on the wing on that top line is very intelligent. But I will say also with David Perron, he was missing the power play. You go back to Huge. that third period, it's a one goal game. Vladimir Tarasenko gets it on his off wing. He has to collect it, set his feet, shoot it. And by that that time, I think you call Nachushkin, comes yep. out, blocks it with the skate. To me, that, that's everything on this power play. And that's why the power play has been so good as of late because Perron is a righty, and that, and that thing's at the net. And the Blues just do not have that right now with 57 out of the lineup. So not only 5-on-5, five five, O'Reilly and his line struggle without Perron, but you can certainly make the case that the power play wasn't what it needed to be here tonight to keep the Blues in the game. And for me, the power play is one of the main reasons why the Blues didn't win this game because we talked about capitalizing on your opportunities where Tarasenko had multiple scoring opportunities and they didn't score. Mike Hoffman had an empty net on the wraparound and Ryan Graves makes the save, but you missed that shot. And for me, Tarasenko holds on to the puck too long on the power play. Definitely. Perron is that one-time threat on, on the left side while you got Hoffman on the right side. And if you're Tory Krug at the point, you can make quick passes. And the problem was Tarasenko's on his offhand. He gets it. He holds on to it. So you got to go back to Krug. And by that time, the eighth best penalty kill in the National Hockey League is going to read that play. But at 5-on-5 for me, Ryan O'Reilly had two shots on goal last night in 22 minutes played. If you go back in the regular season... And one of them was a a great scoring chance, too. Yeah, it was right in the slot. If you go back to game number 44 of the regular season, that was the game where Ryan O'Reilly basically put the team on his shoulders and beat the Colorado Avalanche. It was a total of 12 games rest of the way. Seven of those 12 games, Ryan O'Reilly had three or more shots on goal. It's only five games he had two or less. 
That's the result of having a David Perron on that wing because you have somebody that you can rely upon to create scoring opportunities. And it it just isn't making sense right now with Braden Shen on the wing. Shen is a centerman. That's where his success has come from. I think you need him back in that spot to have success with that depth of scoring. So what does that mean? Like, if you were to do that, what, how do you put together these lineup, or this lineup right now? As much as I hate to say this, I think Robert Thomas might be a winger. I think Robert Thomas might be a winger for the time being. See, I liked that. I, I know we're... It seems like a lot of people are trying to move Hoffman up as well. I, I liked that line for the Blues last night. I thought they looked pretty good. I thought they had some scoring chances. Like... I don't know that I want to break up Thomas Hoffman and Cairo if I can avoid the it. The only reason that you don't want to keep that line out there is because they're a defensive liability. Sure, but at some point, I got to score. You do. Like, you know, and, you do. And you can be strategic with when you're throwing them out there, but that that is a line that I really, I feel like that is the key to the Blues winning this series. Well, because the O'Reilly line is going to have to shut down the top line for, for the abs. That's going to have to happen. Honestly, if I'm putting a line together that I liked, I would go with Barbashev, Thomas, and Cairo. With Barbashev in the middle. I mean, that's where you scored that goal last night. I mean, Thomas has it on the far side boards. He gives the pass over to Barbashev. Barbashev, no look pass to Jordan Cairo for the one-time goal. It's playmaking at its finest. So for the time being, I think Robert Thomas might be a winger, which means Braden Shen can be that second-line centerman for you, which means Mike Hoffman, Tyler Bozak, Jaden Schwartz, wherever you want to go with it, you can shift those guys around. But I think in terms of depth and success right now for the Blues, it comes down to Ryan O'Reilly, Braden Shen, and insert player on that third line, whether it be Thomas or Barbashev. But you need a one-two punch of O'Reilly and Shen because that's where the success has come from. Frankly, when you get Perron back, I'd like them to go back to Schwartz, Shen, and Cairo because we saw an awful lot of success in the beginning of the season in that one game that they played together before Jaden Schwartz didn't play. It was the second to last game of the season against Minnesota. They scored a goal in that one, and I know it's a goal, and you can't do much off of that, but look, they had 29 points in 13 games at the beginning of the season. I think for the time being, to get the most out of this team and their offense and to help Ryan O'Reilly, because I know that's been the center of discussion, you got to move Shen off of that wing and put him in a center position because that's where he's at his best. So I'll give you one possibility, and this is only whenever Perron. Uh, let's let's go optimistically and say Perron's back for game two. Okay, yeah. Let's go off of that for a second. Top line, Barbie, O'Reilly, Perron. Going back to that construction, Schwartz, Shin, and Kairu to give you that mm-hmm. line that you like as your number two line. I don't like this line, but I think it might be the only option that you have. Hoffman, Thomas, and Tarasenko is your third line yeah, for you. I don't like it either. I, I don't know where else you put Tarasenko, though, is the problem. That's, I mean, people don't agree with me, and I know he probably wouldn't like it either, but I think Tarasenko might be a fourth-line player for you right he now. might be, but I don't think they're going to do no, that. No, and I don't um, think so. And then your fourth line would be some combination of Clifford, Bozak, Sanford, and Blay. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that I would do it. And look, Tyler Bozak has been a great player for the Blues. He's been a uh, complimentary piece for this Blues team, um, but I think he needs to be kind of this Alexander Steen role. He's got to help bring an identity to that fourth line. And This is a tough matchup for him. This is a very tough matchup for him. If this was Vegas, I think we'd be talking a lot differently because he matches up better as a defensive forward. Right now, this isn't a great matchup for anybody on the Blues team. I mean, frankly, if if this is a speed contest, which it was in the third period last night, the Blues are going to lose 10 out of 10 times. you got to find a way to eliminate that, and I think the way to eliminate that is to have that strength up the middle, and I think strength up the middle is going to be O'Reilly, Shen, Thomas or Barbashev, and Bozak on that fourth line for yeah, you. Yeah, and I, like, I, do, I do continue to like Thomas as a center. I actually thought he had a pretty good game last night. We don't talk about it because it didn't end up mattering in the, in the grand scheme of things, but 
he had a great defensive play that led to the only goal of the night for the Blues. Without him battling on the boards and going in in uh, recovery, basically, I, th- I don't remember. I think it was um, Bortuzzo who had a boards battle. Uh, Thomas comes in there, get, get, steals the puck away, ends up getting it into transition. He pu- pushes it forward to Barbashev. Barbashev with the no-look pass over to Kairou. Uh, that's a huge play in the game, yep. and it could have potentially been a momentum swinger. Should have been. I thought he had a really good game last night. So if they can keep Thomas Hoffman and Kairou together, I would like to. But I, I just don't know what you do with Tarasenko right you now. Gotta get more a- from, you got to get more from Robert Thomas, too. I mean, as much as he is a playmaker for you, I mean, he had one. He was shot. also too hesitant yeah, last night. He's, he's got one shot on goal. And look, uh, the the problem in this series is what we're doing right now. You're trying to figure out line combinations. And when you're in the playoffs, you don't need to figure out line combinations. If you miss a player or if you insert a player here or there, that's how you fix it. But once you get into the playoffs, like you got to have your line combinations down. And the Blues just don't have those complementary pieces right now. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll get more into the Blues coming up at the 1 o'clock hour. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk to John Forsland about the Blues. He was on the call for the game last night on NBC Sports Network. What was his biggest takeaway from that game? And does he give the Blues any chance in this series? We'll ask John Forsland next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by John Forsland. He was on the call for Blues versus Avalanche last night on NBC Sports Network. John, we always appreciate the time, my friend. How you doing today? Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing all right. Would be doing better if we got a better result last night for the Blues. But I, I did want to ask, you know, we, we went into this series and we had been reading about how much nationally the Blues are an underdog going into this series did anything that happened last night change your opinion on how you view this series? No, and really, you know what? They they are underdogs, and I think you, you need to accept that. I think I think the team can accept that role, and sometimes that's a great position to be in in a playoff series is to be in that position where uh, everyone counts you out. You know, Craig Berube can can use that in his room, can uh, can put the put the heat on the guys to play better than what the expectation is. And really, I think the trick to this series and the first step in the right direction was if if Jordan Bennington can continue his level, that's going to be good. But somehow they're going to have to control the transitional speed of the avalanche through the middle of the ice. If they can make an adjustment that way, uh, you know what? I I think the Blues have the experience. They have the character. It'll help to get David Perron back in the lineup, obviously. But um, I, I think last night is kind of exactly what everyone expected. And uh, now that they have their feet wet, they being the Blues, let's see what happens in the second game, if they can make those adjustments and and steal one there and then take it back to St. Louis. John, was that game last night more impressive for you of how Colorado's defense played against the Blues, or were you a little surprised that the Blues really didn't have much offense to show other than little spurts? No, that was Colorado, and I've seen them a great deal this year, and I've seen them head-to-head against the Blues. And the Blues have, have done okay, but I think we can't be fooled by some of what happened at the end of the season. Uh, Colorado was in a different place with COVID. Uh, you know, their lineup was a little bit disjointed. The Blues are making their push to get into the playoffs and playing with a lot of adrenaline. Um, but this is, by and large, what we saw last night, how the Avalanche were able to win the President's Trophy 
is not only are they noted for having this dominant first line led by Nathan McKinnon and this high-powered offensive attack, but they're really good defensively. And then you get to Grubauer, and Grubauer's had a sensational year. But when you look at the shot differential all season, um, they've done a great job suppressing the puck because they play a possession game. The Avalanche have the puck all the time. They're able to get speed through the middle, as I said before, and and really that's going to be the trick in the series. Can the Blues handle that? Can they get the puck? And when they get the puck, can they control the game a little bit and get to the level that they want to be at? John, there's no way to shut down the McKinnon, Landeskog, and Ranton in line. They, they're the best in the NHL for a reason, but they were outstanding last night, and it seemed like there was just nothing the Blues could do to stop it. Is there anything you've seen other teams do that helps to slow them down that the Blues could potentially implement? How do the Blues at least slow down that line? Uh, gee, I, I don't have the answer to that question. Uh, i got to be honest with you because it's really hard to get there. I, I think the conventional thing to say here, and it's been said time and time again in hockey, and we used to say it back in the day when uh, the Penguins used to run hard with Mario Lemieux and Yager and all those guys, you know, they're going to get their chances, right? You would ask coaches and they would say, listen, they're, they're going to get chances, but it's the level of containment. You know, how do we contain it? Um, if you let Colorado kind of get frustrated on the outside, they like to cycle so much and dance with the puck. Maybe that'll be the key, but they're going to have to make sure that uh, the blues are aligned defensively before it gets to that. And I really think the key for the avalanche, again, this is the third time I've made the point. I'm sorry, but it's, it's through the middle of the ice. It's with transition. You look at when McKinnon was able to crank it up last night and carry the puck through the neutral zone, hit the line. You look at the gap between the D and the forwards. That's too much ice. So I'm sure they're going to try and tighten that up a little bit, not give up the defensive blue line, and see if that takes them to a better spot. And if it, if it, can, if it does, then you know try to stay in the game, try to stay in there punch for punch, get a lead, get a break, uh, capitalize on a power play. These are all the same recipes teams use when they're up against a team that can be dominant. And to be fair in this series, the Avalanche just have so much, they can be dominant if they're allowed to play their game. John, this series does feel like special teams are going to dictate it. And I know the Avalanche only scored one power play goal last night and the Blues penalty kill was successful in that second period. But if the Blues could could have found a way to score one of those power play goals, you felt like the momentum was going to go back on their side. How important is it going to be for the Blues to find a way to solve this Colorado penalty kill and also solve their power play? Well, I, I think the step in the right direction in the first game was their kill. Their, their penalty kill led them in a direction where they could get back in the game, get the tying goal from Kyrou. So I think that was good. So I think as a team, they probably have some confidence with that. I think their power play can be okay in this series. And, and if it is, I think you're right. I think that could be the determining factor. So, you know, again, you look at Mike Hoffman and you just take whatever you get at five on five, but he has to be a key figure on the power play. They have the weapons. They have the personnel to do it. Again, uh, getting Perron back helps. But even without him, uh, they they should have you know enough and some confidence from what happened at the end of the season uh, with their power play that will help them out. But uh, those types of things, those, those little situations within a playoff game are really the only thing the Blues are going to be able to hang their hat on. And then if they can have success with those two items, then I think they build confidence, they get back home, you know, and then they try and make it a series. But in the second game, obviously, tomorrow night's going to be really critical for those two things to hold up and, and see where it takes them. 
John Forslund joining us here on 101 ESPN. He's on the call for Blues versus Avalanche on NBC Sports Network. John, you said a couple of times if or when the Blues get David Perron back. In your conversations with people, whether it be the coaching staff before the game yesterday or um, just the production crew, whatever, have you heard anything on a potential timeline for his return? No, I haven't. And, and, you know, I said on the air last night, it's hard enough to get information with any kind of conventional injury. Mm -hmm. But with COVID, you might as well forget about it Um, because we don't even know what the circumstances are, right? Unless I've I've missed something, I'm not sure whether he's being traced or whether he is positive or he's got a false positive. You just don't know. Uh, So you just have to hope that, number one, he's okay. And then number two, this thing, because Wallman's on the list too, uh, and Nathan Walker, I think Walker might have come off, but you just hope it doesn't start to spread uh, among the group. And uh, when it's a key player like this, uh, you just hope that's one of those things that you have to bide your time and get him back in the lineup. So you go day-to-day with it. That's all we can do. We've been living with this as uh, broadcasters all season. Um, Really hard to get information out of the teams. Really hard to access anybody. Uh, You know, my career, 30 years plus running here, I've never... Uh, been through a situation like this where we're going on almost two seasons without seeing, you know, a practice, without being in the locker room, without being face to face with people. Uh, these Zoom calls, uh, you know, are, are a great fail for any kind of secrecy, and it's just impossible to to ascertain any kind of information. John, I'm curious. You just mentioned you've been in the business now for 30 years. You've been around hockey for a long time. People talk a lot about Connor McDavid and what he's doing in the league. Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin in the past 20 years. But have you seen a player with the skill set of Nathan McKinnon? Because not only does he have the speed, which I think is elite, his shot last night, we saw that slap shot that resulted in the tip goal from Landeskog. And then he's not a small guy. I mean, he laid Vladimir Tarasenko out behind the net. It seems like this is one of those, like, five-tooled players on the ice. You're right. And and he's he's got a, a tremendous amount of power. And, and his power is utilized in his skating. From a standstill, he's probably as fast as anybody. Maybe McDavid's a little bit quicker, but I'd like to see that from a standstill. Uh, when McDavid winds it up, there's nobody faster in the game. But Mc, McKinnon skates with power and authority and conviction. And the other thing that he does, he likes to mix it up. He likes to he likes to take a hit. He likes to initiate contact like Peter Forsberg used to do in the day in order to you know have the opponent bounce off and then just keep the offensive thrust going. He's way better defensively than I think people are allowed to even uh, look at because so much attention is placed on his offensive game. Uh, he's a centerman, obviously, like others, but he's not a winger. In the, in the case of Ovechkin, he's a uh, Hall of Famer. There's no question, right? A great winger. But he's had a great centerman over the years in Nicholas Backstrom to get in the puck. He's had Carlson to put it in the wheelhouse on the power play on the flank for that one-timer, which McKinnon does. So, I mean, he is an amazing player. He was my MVP last year, in my opinion. And he's right there again. And he's just the guy that brings you uh, multidimensional play and, 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 and powerful uh, multidimensional play. And I think the deeper they go, the better it will get for him. John, final question that I've got for you. You're on the call for the Blues versus the Avalanche on NBC Sports Network, but you're also eventually going to be the play-by-play broadcaster for the Seattle Kraken. I'm curious, as you're watching this series between the Blues and the Avalanche, is there any player in particular on the Blues that you're watching? You're like, man, he makes a lot of sense for Seattle in this upcoming expansion draft. Obviously, like O'Reilly's not going to be available, but within reason, are there guys that you're seeing on the ice right now for the Blues that you think would make sense for the Kraken? 
Uh, listen, Ron Francis wants to win, so he's not going to rely on my opinions. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I'll tell you what, I, I think it, that's a really good question. And, and the problem you have with this is you have to get closer to D-Day. you got to get closer to the expansion draft to understand you know, who exactly is realistically available. Because you could look at an older player with a contract and say, hey, that guy fits. Or you, you might be missing a younger guy that, that is kind of under the radar. Uh, there might be even prospect players on some of these lists that, uh, you know, that Ron might be already have scouted that might be the exact fit that they're looking for. You look at the way Vegas went about it, there was, there was a different way to skin a cat there. It wasn't just, you know, taking all these tired-out veteran players or guys who are near the end with experience like we've seen in the past, you know, 20 years ago with various expansion teams. You know, this was a... This was a real um, uh, program that George McBee had already figured out uh, through through free agency trades and expansion draft, and I think those are the three facets. So you have to wait and see. I think this summer is going to be real interesting as far as unrestricted free agency. See where that goes, and uh, and then see what kind of side deals Ron's probably making right now. Right, he's able to talk to teams, and they're probably aligning certain guys, certain teams want to protect and. And or leave unprotected, and in order to leave those guys in a place where they're not going to get scooped up, there's others that the expansion team can come in and scoop up. So that's basically what I think we'll see. Uh, I'm just enjoying the games right now. I can't wait for the expansion draft, the entry draft, and to get out to Seattle and see what happens here. Because I'll tell you what, um, the, the arena is going to be absolutely fantastic. The fan base is uh, uh, you know, so energized. There's 32,000 people on a season ticket waiting list. Uh, and I'm lucky in my career to do this a couple of times from day one with Carolina back in 97 and now being able to be from day one with Seattle as long as I get to day two, but that <laughs> remains to be seen. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see those rivalries built up for Seattle in that division. John, if you don't mind, though, pass along a message to Ron Francis for us. Just ask him to stay away from David Perron, please. Yeah, no David Perron, no Ivan Barbashev, yeah. no Oscar Sundquist. Yeah, you can't three, have any yeah. of those three. Those three are off limits. Uh, I hear you. Okay, I'll pass that along. And like, like he's done his whole career as a player and manager. He doesn't listen to me, but that's okay. I'll pass it along. Thanks so much, John. You're the best. It's Sean right, Forsland. He's going to be on the call for Blues versus Avalanche on NBC Sports Network. He was on the call last night. We'll be again on Wednesday. What do you think? Like, if you had to make a prediction today, where do you think they go from the Blues? Do you, do you have a lean one way or another? I, I, for me, it really feels like... Vince Dunn might be a favorite because he's cheap, he's cost-controlled, and if you look at defensemen that are going to be available, I don't know how many top two pairings are going to be available. You might see more depth guys, um, but look, they got a problem at the forward position in terms of protection. You know O'Reilly's yeah. going to be protected, Shen, Kairou, Thomas, um, That's and then um, Ryan O'Reilly, Shen, Thomas, Kairou, that's four guys. Peron, probably. Peron, definitely, and then you got a decision to make. Do you want to protect Sunquist, Barbashev? Do you want to protect Tarasenko? Do you want to protect Schwartz? Schwartz? you got some decisions to make, so Dunn seems like the favorite. All of the experts are picking Vince Dunn to be available and them selecting him, but I wouldn't be surprised if they look at a guy that's not protected on the forward spot and say, this guy is somebody we need because if it's Sunquist or Barbashev, those are guys that are going to be cost-controlled forwards. Yeah, and there, so you've got Tarasenko, um, Sunquist, Barbashev, Sanford, Hoffman, Schwartz, like all of those guys. You can pre- you can protect two of them with with the guys that we've already protected: O'Reilly, Shin, Perron, Thomas, Kyrie. You got two more spots. 
So it's going to be some difficult decisions and for Doug Armstrong. Yeah. I do not envy him. And, I mean, you look, you got long-term, well, two-year commitment to Tarasenko. Hoffman's an unrestricted free agent. And Sunquist is locked up for the next three years. And Ivan Barbish is a restricted free agent. So, I mean, there's a lot of options that you can go. You're going to lose an impactful player for this sure. team. With Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The junk drawer coming up at about 15 minutes. We will also give you your chance for the next code word to win a four-pack of tickets to Wednesday night's Cardinals versus Pirates game. But coming up next, what are we about to learn from the Cardinals while Paul DeYoung is out of the lineup? We'll talk about it on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Wherever you put him, you can trust him. And he's just a baseball player in St. Louis for whatever, however they do it in, in their shouting department, they got to be commended for it because they keep finding these guys uh, that are just baseball players or winning players. And no doubt is he one of those type of players. And um, they're very lucky to have him. That was Skip Schumacher on with us yesterday. If you yeah. missed our conversation, you can check it out. 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. It is all presented by I Promise the Podcast Pages. And he was talking about, of course, Tommy Edmond. And right now, guys, with Paul DeYoung out of the lineup, he's on the IL. He has a non-displaced rib fracture, which just sounds awful. Like, I can't imagine how incredibly painful that must be with every possible move for him. But while he's out, Tommy Edmond going to be... Likely your everyday shortstop for the here and now. Imagine sneezing. You no, know, I'm good. I don't. I don't need any well, of that in my sneeze. life. I am curious, guys. Baldy Young's been struggling this year. He's batting 177. He has the second worst batting average among all major league starting shortstops. He's 20th and on base. He's just not having a he's very got good season. Second again. most home runs on the team. That's the one thing he's done well. He has still hit homers. What do you think we're gonna learn? With Paul DeYoung out of the lineup. Like, is there anything that we are going to be able to take out of the next two weeks or so while he is not playing every day? That good, bad, and different. Do you think there's something we can learn about this team while Paul DeYoung is not out there? I don't think so. Because even if Paul DeYoung struggles, I don't know how much of an impact it is to the lineup. Right? Like, because you're getting you're getting what Paul DeYoung provides in power from Tyler O'Neill. You're getting what Paul DeYoung provides from Nolan Arenado. Well, that's kind of why I wonder, can we learn something? Like, can we learn that Paul DeYoung is imminently replaceable? I don't think so, though, because, like, I, I do believe he's a threat in the middle of your your order. It, like, it, regardless if he's hitting fifth, sixth, or seventh, he's still a threat. And I think that's what makes it so lethal with guys around him. But, like, I don't think you're going to learn anything because nobody's coming up to take his place anytime soon. Like, Edmundo Sosa is not going to be taking over as the everyday shortstop. The guy can't even get a start other than the one game. You seem yeah. to have forgotten about Rondon. Rondon can't even make the 40 man roster. That's not his fault. He's dominating in Memphis, but they're like, no, you're good down there, Jose. You stay there. I mean, look, Memphis got to make the playoffs. Too. Max Moroff isn't going to be an everyday second baseman for you. Matt Carpenter's not going to get a re signed contract at the end of the season to play second base. So Nolan Gorman seems to be the next guy that could play the second base position, but I still think you're at least two years away from him. So I don't personally feel like you're going to learn anything. I think it's time off when he comes back. He's going to be right back into that slot, and then you're just having the same conversations that you were before he was injured. I think there's one thing I think that we will learn, and there's one that we, I think, could potentially learn. The one that I think we're going to learn, and we've already kind of known this, is that 
up the middle, your depth behind DeYoung and Tommy Edmonds, second and short, is weak. Very weak. And Carpenter, who's going to be playing second base, I think. You've got Sosa there. Now you've got Moroff. You've got my guy Rondon, who can't even make the club, which is ridiculous. And then also, the one that I think we could potentially learn is what can Tommy Edmond bring to you at shortstop? Because if he looks good defensively at short, he's hitting. And then you've got Nolan Gorman coming up who's going to get reps at second base. And again, you'd have to see what he does at the major league level before you did this. Then I think it could make Paul DeYoung uh, expendable. And with his contract, I think he is very expendable. That's what I want to learn. What does Tommy Edmond look like at shortstop? Because if he looks... Like, he can be an everyday starter at short. And I'm not sure he is. I think he might be a second baseman. and that Because we saw last year, at third base, he was not as good defensively as he is at second right now. Wasn't Tommy Edmonds' natural position shortstop, though? He was an infielder all all over. I don't remember specifically what he came up as. I'd have to look that up. But um, he is a guy that, if he can play well there consistently over the next two weeks... I wonder if it opens up some opportunities for the Cardinals with Paul DeYoung in the offseason. I'm with you, Alex. I don't think this changes anything for the here and now. I don't think for 2021 you are making a move at shortstop. I do wonder if over this stretch of time, though, you don't see a significant drop-off in the lineup. And Paul DeYoung continues hitting the way he has thus far, which is a 650 OPS. That's not good enough. Over the last four years now, now no longer a small sample. He is a below-league average hitter. His defense has dropped off seemingly every year when it comes to the advanced numbers on what he does for you defensively. I think it is fair to start asking, like, okay, are you willing to have a below-average defensive shortstop because he gives you a little bit of pop? Now that you have a guy like Tyler O'Neill who gives you basically the same thing and Nolan Arenado who consistently hits for power and you've got power right now from your catcher position, which is strange, and Paul Goldschmidt, we know, like, you're getting that from other sources. You used to need it out of Paul DeYoung. Now I almost prefer to have a guy that's just a consistent hitter at shortstop who's going to give me a really good glove there. So I do wonder if over the next couple of weeks we could learn, hey, maybe they could look at trading Paul DeYoung in the offseason because his contract is still valuable for other teams and maybe bring in another guy like Jose Iglesias or something to be a, a spot holder for you. By there. the way, he, uh, Tommy Edmond is a shortstop, eight seasons from NCAA to minor leagues to Major League Baseball, played over 1,000 more games than he did at second base. Perfect. So about 2,189 2, innings as a shortstop. So that and is a, his natural position. For what it's worth, a lot of guys come up as shortstops and of then course. don't translate there in the big leagues. But it, it's interesting that that's his natural position. I I'm going to be curious to see what he looks like there. If there's no drop-off from Paul DeYoung to Tommy Edmond, I, I think it's worth at least in the offseason keeping that in the back of our mind. I thought he looked really good at short over the weekend. I I, he was there, what, two games? Because I think on Sunday he was at second. Or no, Morrow was at second. I think Saturday they started so at short. I thought he looked really good over the weekend at shortstop because I know he made one play where he dove to his left, made the play on his knees through to second to get the lead guy out. So I think he looks really good defensively. And as you mentioned, DeYoung's numbers defensively have dropped off too. I, I, I'm i curious, kind of like you, what's more important? Is it the defense at shortstop or do you really want a power guy in your lineup there? As you mentioned with O'Neal. I want a contact guy with defense for this team at shortstop. That, that, for, for me, that's what I would value there. Um, and then I, I mean, the other thing is, what are you, is Gorman almost ready? If Gorman's ready for you next year, if he's going to be potentially ready for the opening day roster in the big leagues in 2022, 
Well, that makes this an even more interesting conversation to me because then he could be your starting second baseman, giving you more or less what Paul DeYoung is giving you, but younger, cheaper, hopefully a little better defensively. That that's where things get super interesting to me as well. Gorman's not looked great so far in the minors too. What's he What's he done so far? Uh, so far in twelve games, so very small sample size, fifty one plate appearances. He's hitting two twenty, three seventy three on base, three seventeen slug, six ninety OPS. One homer, four RBIs. He's drawing a lot of walks. Ten walks, 17 okay, strikeouts. That's really good on-base percentage. He's got 17 strikeouts and 41 plate appearances. Keep an eye on a couple of different players in the minors. Um, Delvin Perez is going to be one of them. See how his trajectory looks. Kramer Robertson is another player to kind of keep you. I think he's on the Memphis team. And then Evan Mendoza, that's another one that I know the Cardinals have talked about. Not on the 40-man, but he's hitting 320. Last week for Memphis, he hit 320 with three doubles, six runs, and two stolen bases. And don't forget, this is the big shortstop offseason. I don't think that the Cardinals are going to be players for Trevor Story. I don't think they're going to be a player for Corey Seager. But let's see what happens with Javi Baez this offseason. If these guys potentially yeah. have to if they have to settle for a one-year contract, I don't think Javi Baez is any worse for you than what you're getting right now yeah, out of Paul DeYoung. How can you say, ew, with Javi Baez? I would take him in a heartbeat. Strikeout machine. He's got the home care. run pop, and he's decent care. defensively. He's great defensively. If it was a one-year deal, if you, if you told me one-year deal for Javi Baez or the contract you have for Paul DeYoung right now, I would stick with Paul DeYoung. Nah, I think he's I would go five significantly better years. offensively. I'd go and five years of Baez. He's better defensively as well. Especially if, if, if Tommy Edmonds cheap, and cost-controlled, I would be willing to find somebody that makes you effective right in the middle. Because you said you want contact at shortstop. Yep. Either a shortstop or second base, I want a guy who has power. Uh, like, I want a guy who's who can be a five-hole hitter for you in that spot. Because if that's a five-hole hitter for you, and Tyler O'Neill is hitting the same, think about how dominant you're going to be one through six. And then you put Yachty in the seven spot and Harrison Bader at eight. Like, that's a dominant batting order. So you need somebody with some pop just as much as you need somebody with contact. And I know you didn't like my answer of Javi Baez. Maybe Carlos Correa is more up your alley. Like there, there's options, right? Depending on what Ugh. your favorite flavor of ice cream is, there, there is, there is an option Gal- for you out Galvis? there. Freddie Galvis. Galvis. I don't want Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis is Paul DeYoung, essentially. Yeah. No, you might as yes, well just he he's just with dreadlocks. He's better at the plate. Eh, debatable. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Hey, coming up at 115, we are going to have Tanner's Millennial Trivia. It's coming up at oh, 115. Boy. It'll be your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to this Wednesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Pirates. Right now, we're giving you the second of our three code words. So that way, you could be entered for a chance to win the four-pack of tickets. Your code word for the 12 o'clock hour is Edman E-D-M-A-N. Your code word for the second hour of the show is Edman. You will text this in coming up at 115 when you have the opportunity to do so, and we will pick at random a couple of uh, contestants to be able to decide where Tanner falls on his millennial trivia. So that's coming up in about 30 minutes. Coming up next, though, let's dive into the junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. On the road, tied going into the third. Um, never a bad spot to Quick be. Feet in front, they score. Thirty seconds in, two to one, Colorado. Somebody forgot Nathan McKinnon was floating out there. Some uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, you know they keep coming. They come in waves. Um, they skate well. They move the puck well, and uh, they're good on the rush. So. Here's McKinnon, a wired shot. They score. That deflected in around Bennington. It's three to one, Colorado. In Colorado. He's going to take game number one by a score of 4-1 to one with some message sending. 
some rough stuff right at the end of the game. It's a long series. It's a, it's a best of seven, and it's one game. So, Rough game last night for the Blues. They lose 4-1, to one, but they're back in action tomorrow night. A game you'll hear right here in your home for the Blues, 101 ESPN. Alex Ferrario will have pregame coverage for you beginning at 8.30. Hell yeah! Did last night's game shake your confidence at all, Alex? I don't think so. I, I mean, going leaving that game... I'm definitely looking at it differently going into it, thinking that this was going to be a favorable matchup for the Blues. Uh, Colorado is much better than I thought, and that's saying something because I watched them play this team eight times this hmm. year. But, I mean, you really can't have an answer for that Colorado top line. But I also walked away from that game looking at the fact that Jordan Bennington nearly stole that game for the Blues, and he has the capability of doing that every single night. I left that game looking at the positives, thinking, well, the penalty kill went two for two in the second period, didn't take a penalty in the third period. They also created offense in spurts in that game. It really came down to turnovers for me because they turned the puck over in the neutral zone and couldn't get the puck out of their zone a couple of times, and it came down to perimeter offense. you got to play better than that in their own zone. I think they can. I think when you get David Perron back, that gives you a threat down the middle. I would imagine Craig Berube is going to adjust. A seven-game series is a seven-game series for a reason, and I know a lot of people are looking at this going, oh, this will be a quick sweep. You always make adjustments. And for me, if the Blues can pull out a victory tomorrow – the momentum shifts in this series because right now Colorado's thinking this is going to be easy. They single-handedly won that game. Nathan McKinnon took basically a slap shot into an empty net to make that a statement win. I think if the Blues can come out with a little bit of fire, this is a whole different ball game or puck game, I guess, if you want to go that route. So, no, this doesn't really shake my confidence in the series. I do still think this is going to be a long one, and I think the Blues make this close, but I definitely have a more of a appreciation for Colorado after that game one. It it did shake mine a little bit without David Perron on the ice. I thought that David Perron, it would be a big loss. I, I felt like, especially on the power play, and you mentioned that earlier today, Alex, I, I thought that would be a big loss for them there. Vladdy just doesn't have the same skill set on the power play as as David Perron does. I thought I noticed him a lot more, or I, I noticed that he was not out there a lot more at 5-on-5 five five than I expected to, given that it was Schwartz and Shin on that top line with Ryan O'Reilly. I thought that would be fine. It just it, it didn't work out the way that I thought it would. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 331. Guys, it did shake my confidence. The only way we can beat the Avalanche is if we bully and constantly beat the crap out of their star players. And last night, it seemed like the Blues were unwilling to do that. See, I disagree with that. I thought the Blues did a really good job, in particular in the first half of the first period, of really setting the tempo and basically making it known to anybody this is going to be a black and blue series. No pun intended. It's going to be punches thrown it's going to be heavy checks it's going to be us finishing every play but it didn't affect the avalanche the way that i thought it would the avalanche responded to that they got punched in the mouth and then they pulled a dan campbell where they stood up bit the blues kneecaps off and then scored three goals in the final period like that that was the surprise to me the surprise to me was not that the blues came out physically the surprise was the way that the avalanche were able to respond i didn't know they had that in them 
Yeah, I mean, that was very impressive. And look, Landeskog in that fight was impressive. I thought that they matched up against the physicality very well. And look, they say it all the time that the guy who has the most hits in the game or the team that has the most hits in the game, well, guess what? You don't have the puck an awful lot. And that was very evident in that game last night. So the Blues are going to have to do things a little differently. They found themselves in odd man rushes going Colorado's way because they decided to put two guys on one player to lay a big hit. There's a time and place to, to, to lay a big hit in a hockey game. I think Braden Shen did that perfectly with the forecheck. For me, you got to avoid trying to get into that type of game and focus more on creating more offense. Your physical play comes on the forecheck. I was I played a um, in the second intermission last night. We do a segment called Know Your Blues, mm-hmm. where we kind of go back in history for blues. And I played game five of that Sharks and Blues series a couple of years ago. And I get it. Different game, different series, different team. But... They, we played the highlight of Ivan Barbashev scoring 35 seconds into the game. And that goal was created because Brent Burns was behind the net. Alexander Steen went in for the forecheck. He laid a big hit on Brent Burns, who had the puck. He bounces the puck off of his stick because he falls down. Steen goes up to Barbashev, back of the net. That's where the physicality comes into play. If you're trying to play physical with these guys in your own zone and laying hits when they're coming through the neutral zone, you're going to be standing at the blue line where they have three guys on one in front of Jordan Bennington. The physicality comes in front of your own net when Colorado tries to get there. Like Gabriel Landeskog should not score that goal where it was tipped in from McKinnon's shot. You got to be more physical than that. And you got to be physical on the forecheck. You got to have a little bit more of a mentality of finishing those checks when you dump the puck in rather than dump and then let Colorado get it. I mean, their game plan, you get you 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 can predict it. They get the, the Blues dump the puck in. Colorado's got one guy back. They have three guys up on the blue line ready to go off to the races. And then the middle defenseman standing right in the slot. The guy who gets it behind the net bumps it up past a Blues player. And then it's Stretch off to the races. Going. That's how they're going to beat you. You have to find a way to offset that. It's like in basketball. When the team's going fast break, what are you going to do? You're going to have a guy back. So you got to make sure that the, the players... The problem is the Blues' entire offense is predicated on the fact that they don't have that guy back. Exactly. You know, like that. that is... It, I thought this would be a good matchup for the Blues in so many different ways, much better than the Vegas Golden Knights are. And I still believe that to be the case. I think Vegas would have been a worse matchup for the Blues. That being said, the Avalanche are better than I gave them credit for. And I think I fell into a trap, Alex, of judging the Blues versus the Avalanche too much on the final three games that we saw against each other. And the Avalanche were not at full strength. Mm-hmm. And we saw last night what Colorado looks like when they are at full strength. It's a different team than the team that we saw in the final three games of the regular season yeah. against the Blues. It's just, it, it completely changed the complexion of the series to see them at full strength. I do want to mention one other thing from the text line real quick. 65780 from the 618. BK, your confidence has always been weak, and that's why you were never allowed to be ba- uh, to even look at the Blues bandwagon, much less jump on board. It's not that my confidence is weak. It's that the... Colorado Avalanche are really good. I mean, that team is amazing. And so I picked the Blues to push this thing to six, maybe seven games. That's a hell of a lot more respect to the Blues than you're seeing anywhere nationally. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people nationally that are picking this as a clean sweep because the, yeah. I mean, there were, there's literally a, the athletic posted that this is the biggest mismatch in any playoff series in a decade, mm-hmm. in any round between any two teams in a decade. So, yeah, saying that the Blues can push this thing to six or seven, that's respect for the Blues under these circumstances. Look, we just talked with John Forslund, and he made an excellent comp with Nathan McKinnon. And honestly, I look at McKinnon and Rantanen as what that 2001 President's Trophy team that won the Cup Colorado Avalanche had in Sackick and Forsberg. 
And I think McKinnon and Landis got, or McKinnon and Rantanen play like that. They play like those two players because McKinnon can bounce off of you. Rantanen's got a lethal shot. Both guys utilize their speed. This is not going to be a cakewalk. Can they win the series? Yeah, I, I believe that they can win this series. But there, you said you essentially have to play a perfect game, and it is impossible to play a perfect game. But the mistakes that you make. One, they have to be minimum, and two, you need your goaltender to make the saves. Jordan Bennington did that last night. The problem was you made too many mistakes. Blues will have to tighten that up. If they get Perron back, that's going to be an advantage. But it's going to come down to playing to the level that you can, but avoiding what you did in the third period last night of focusing more on laying the body check than you are playing the puck and creating offense. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. It's one thirteen. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You will hear Blues versus Avalanche game two tomorrow night right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Alex has pregame coverage tomorrow at 8.30. Coming up next, it is officially time. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to this Wednesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Pirates. We have been selected as one of the three shows on the station that is able to give away a four-pack of tickets to that game. The Budweiser Bash features an exclusive Ken Reitz bobblehead with a portion of each ticket supporting the Ken Reitz Foundation. We're going to give away a four-pack of tickets coming up in the next segment. How we're going to do this. Tanner Hendrickson is a millennium. Millennial, rather. He does not know about things that took place in the 90s. Yeah, I just learned about the 411. So, we are going to give him some trivia in the next segment. My God. (laughs) This kid. In the next segment, there will be 10 questions, and we will have four listeners able to join us in the next segment. You will guess how many of those questions Tanner gets right. Closest to the number, without going over Price is Right rules, we'll get the four-pack of tickets to the cards game tomorrow night. You got to do this. Text in the three code words. The first two you've already heard. The third one is pirates. P-I-R-A-T-E-S. The third code word of the day to get involved in our trivia segment is pirates. Text those three in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You may be selected to play in our trivia contest coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. We love giving away stuff here on 101 ESPN. And today we have the opportunity to give away a four pack of tickets to Wednesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Pirates. The Budweiser Bash features an exclusive Ken Reitz bobblehead with a portion of each ticket supporting the Ken Reitz Foundation. You can get more details on that over at cardinals.com backslash promotion. So we gave away three code words over the course of the day today. We told you you're going to play in a trivia contest. You are going to be backing or going against Tanner Hendrickson, the way this is going to work, we've played something similar to this before, Alex. Tanner is a millennial in every possible sense of the word. And so he doesn't know a whole lot about what took place in the 90s when the two of us were both growing up. I debate the last, whole lot part. Last time I learned you guys had dial tones. You got one right last time, and I don't even remember which one it was, but it was not it was good. Show. So we've got 10 questions that we are going to oh, ask yeah, Tanner about the 90s in particular, right? Yep. 
So the way this is going to work, we've got Scott, Paul, Nick, and Justin, four listeners on the line. They are going to give us a number out of 10, between 0 and 10. How many of these questions do you believe Tanner will get correct? Scott, how many do you think Tanner's going to get right? Closest to the number without going over will be our winner of the four-pack of tickets. I'm going to be the eternal eternal optimist and go four. Thanks, Four Scott. for ten. Okay. I like that eternal optimist. <laughs> Seems a little aggressive, but I like it. All right, Scott. Thank you. Let's go out to Paul. Paul, how many do you think that Tanner will get correct? Uh, he took mine, so I'm going three. You're going nice. three. I Just like it. messed him up like Price is Right style. Paul, good luck, my friend. Let's go out to Nick. How many do you believe that Tanner will get correct? Man, both mine were taken too, so uh, I'm a believer. I'm going to go five. Wow. <laughs> I thought he was going to go two. I love it. <laughs> All right, and final one, Justin, how many do you believe that Tanner will get correct? Okay, well, I'm going to be the guy, and I'm going to go two. All right. Nice. So we've got Scott with four, Paul with three, Nick has five, and Justin has two. Nobody thinks now, that Tanner will go more than 50% on the 10 questions. Now call. let's go with this real quick, because if if he doesn't get any, and it'll have to be Justin. It'll go Justin, yeah, correct? He's so I just want to lay that out there before people get angry. I know it's closest without going over, but if Tanner doesn't get any, which is a legitimate possibility, <laughs> it will be the closest to it that had to have gone if over. If it's zero, one, or two, Justin wins. If it's three, Paul wins. If it is four, Scott wins. All if right. it is five or above, then Nick wins. All right. You are a factory of sex. You might guys. be on this one, T Bone. All right, Tanner, we'll get things going with Alex's Hit first the music. question. This is so stressful for you, Tanner. All right. It is. I feel First bad one for up. these people that are going to lose. <laughs> First one up, T-Bone. R.L. Stein was the author of what book series? Ah, that's a good one. R.L. Stein. That name sounds familiar. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wrote that thinking this was going to be easy. <laughs> this was the now. gimme. This was the gimme. I don't read gimme. a lot of books. This ain't fair. <laughs> well, these... R.L. Stein. That name probably not quite the. I don't think it's Harry Potter. No. Uh, oh, Chronicles of Narnia. Oh God! Hit the buzzer. God damn it! I don't want to hit the buzzer. That's <clears throat> not correct at all. Oh for one. Goosebumps, correct? Goosebumps is the book series, <laughs> which everyone on the text line is saying, Tanner, what the hell? Sorry, text line. I all don't right. read a lot. My first question for you, Tanner. Who was the face of Marky Mark and the Funchy Bunch? Funky Bunch, excuse me. The Funchy Bunch. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Who was the face of that group? Who the hell's the Funky Bunch? <laughs> well, that's... Well, it was Marky Mark's bunch. <laughs> yeah. They were funky. I'll go uh, Mark Marchy. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Pun. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. He's still He's an relevant. Actor. Yeah, he's an actor, but he started because he was in Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I thought this was a band. Moving on. We're 0 for 2 so far. 0 for 2. All right, T-Bone. What was the car? I need the color, model, brand. This should be easy. What was the car that O.J. Simpson was driving in that highway high-speed chase? White. Uh, I can picture it. Was it Ford? No. No. You got the five second rule too. White, here. white, white Mustang. I can't remember the name of it. Charger. <laughs> no, that ain't right. Oh, Mustang is. Yeah, Mustang is. Yeah, that's that's close though. Hit yourself the buzzer on that one, buddy. The white Ford Bronco. Bronco. Damn it, I didn't know that one though. You said <laughs> Ford too. All right. All right, 0 for 3, guys. Woof. 0 for 3. Woof. Good work by our listeners yes. to go low on this one. All right. Smart. There was a famous book series 
that I read growing up called Choose Your Own Blank. Why are we what back to the freaking books? Blank at the end this of that. This isn't even a book. This is like a crossword puzzle book. More or less. Say it again. There was a famous book series that I read growing up called Choose Your Own Blank. Can you fill in that blank? I made this super easy for you, man. Oh, yeah. It doesn't feel that Literally, easy. Literally, you have to say one word. Choose or two your, words. Choose your own. Or three words. I have no idea. <laughs> God, dude. I don't even know what this is. What kind of Jude. life did you live? The good kind. I mean, I guess he had internet, so this wouldn't yeah, even matter. Yeah, makes sense. I have no idea. I'll just do it. Just give yourself the own buzzer then. Choose your own adventure. Choose All right, your own adventure. for four. My God, everyone. Okay, next one for you. Kurt Cobain was the lead singer of what band? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> can I get a song name? Um... No, I don't think so. That's not the Kurt question. Cobain. I'm thinking. Uh, <laughs> give give us a band yeah. from the nineties. Literally, just the 90s. anything. See, I listen to more eighties than I do nineties. Um, I feel like you actually might know this. I, I probably would, would if I knew this. a song. I don't know okay. like the artist. Like you're asking me like who's in charge of Kiss. I have no idea, but they make <laughs> oh great music. <laughs> All right, you want to? You I'll give you a song real quick. Okay. It smells like Teen Spirit. Just give yourself the damn buzzer. (laughs) Jesus. Nirvana. All right. My God. Moving right along. So we are right now 0 for 5. We are halfway through this bad boy, and we are 0 for 5. Good work. One of you is going to get this. Justin's looking really good right right now. I'm excited. All right. Next one up. Before flash drives, what kind of a disk would you place into your computer if you wanted to store something? Before a flash drive, you would insert this kind of a disc into your computer to store digital technology. What was that kind of disc? CD seems wrong. Uh, <laughs> Considering disc would have been in CD, that, that doesn't count. Before, before a f- Wait, before a what? A flash drive? Yeah, before, before the flash drive, yeah. There was a kind of disc that you, you would put them. into your computer to be able to save stuff. So many jokes about this in grade school. So many jokes. Okay, 40-year-old dad. Um, it was very it, much a dad joke is it when all, you were like 12. Is oh, yeah. it, it ain't hard drive, is it? Because hard drives what you already have in a computer. Yeah, Correct. Technically, every computer has a hard drive, but that's <laughs> you're, good. You're taking it from the hard drive <laughs> onto this disc. I have no idea. All right. Okay. Oh, floppy six. disc. Floppy disc. You've heard of a floppy disc yeah, before. Yeah, I could so like picture jokes. what it was, but I didn't know what it was called. All right. So many jokes. All right, here we go. I need you to finish the lyric. Just give me the next line. Oh, okay. I kind of like music. Oh, God. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. All right, stop. Collaborate and, and listen. listen. Do you even know the song? I know. I can. I have. If I heard it, not what BK's doing, I would know it. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't know. Yeah. I'm back with a brand, brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. No. no. All like right. a harpoon daily and nightly. Will it ever stop? So Yo, we, oh, oh for 7 now? I got 0 oh for 7. All right. Well, sorry, Scott. Yeah. You're, You're out, Scott. Scott and Nick are both out. This is down Yikes. to Paul or Justin. Yikes. Way too much confidence. All right. Another song question for you. Oh, my God. Another music question. The Backstreet Boys. I know them. Had five members. Oh, crap. Can you name two of them? Just two. 
Can you name two of the members of the Backstreet Boys? It's my first ever concert, my, Alex. My wife would be so mad if you can't name any of these. Oh, she's prepared to be mad. Uh, was there, there wasn't a Nick. No, was there a Nick? No. Are we going full names? Or are we just going? I, honestly, I will take the first okay. names at this just point. So we can get something right. Jeez. All right, I'll go with a Nick. Um, Go ahead and give yourself a ding. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Happy that's one, everybody. That's one. Literally, he had no idea. He's just saying names. Come on, you. You. There. There is one other that I feel like you should be able to get. Uh, I, there is. I because I can picture the Backstreet Boys. Um. There's so much pressure going on here, man. All right, you got about five seconds. Yeah. No, you're way past the five seconds mark. Nick. Just buzzer yourself. Give me one other guy's name. Uh. James. Nope, not James. Not James. I would have accepted Howie, Brian, AJ, or Kevin. Kevin was the one that I thought you probably should have been. Kevin Richardson. All right. Going off of that one, there are five members of the Spice Girls. Oh, my God. I need you to name two of them. I don't know. And this is the. Spice Girls. This is the Nick. How do you not know Spice Girls? Everyone (laughs) knows Spice Girls. Um. And you know these were the nicknames, right? Like Spice Girls had the names that went with each character. That's what we're looking Somebody for. Somebody said here. PK's first concert was Backstreet Boys. God, that is embarrassing. Man, I was like seven years that old. Was fun, and yes, it is embarrassing. Funny but, story. That was my last concert before the pandemic. Hit. Look at that. See? <laughs> I don't know the Spice Girls. Scary Spice, sp- Sporty Spice, Baby Spice, Ginger Spice, Posh Spice. Jesus, Tanner. All right. So I'm going to give you a sports question here. Oh, thank God. Oh, OJ was, and he didn't get that one. He said a f- Mustang it's Charger. Tangentially related. Clyde Drexler. Was a basketball superstar player. basketball player Played in the, the 90s. Rockets. Rockets and the Blazers. Oh, yeah, that's right. What was his nickname? Ooh, uh, Clyde Drexler. Uh, what was his nickname? This is what most people probably called him more often than not, honestly. It's not the Rocket, is it? That feels kind of, uh, Clyde Blank Drexler. Oh boy! I thought you would for sure get this one. Well, I'm not a bad. I'm not that big on basketball. I, I watch it, but if you gave me like what was uh, King Griffey Jr.'s nickname, I could have gotten that right. <laughs> oh yeah, the kid. Okay. Um, I have no idea. Was it Drex? Clyde the Glide Drexler. Mm. All right. Um, not great. No, that's beyond not great. Scott, Paul, Nick, thanks for calling. Yep. We appreciate you playing along. And in an all sincerity to all of those contestants i really thought he was going to at least make this competitive for these listeners justin those were hard questions now <laughs> goosebumps uh, was not a hard question yes, so it here's was. was ice ice baby why, why didn't you just ask me about who wrote little girl on the prairie or whatnot oh my god you didn't even know the damn name of the book so here's the thing <laughs> it does feel like he should have got those right to us but if we did the same trivia for like jamie's generation right we would probably go every bit as as poorly. I would disagree with that. I think I all could right, get I that. These are pop culture them. references. These I are would, all pop culture references. I'd be confident I wouldn't go for ten. I'm not confident I would get more than five. I think I would get at I least five. I know you five. wouldn't get more than five. I don't think you guys would get three. Okay, I would get at least five. Are we giving tickets away tomorrow? No. This oh, is wow. our last That's one for the week, Tanner. unfortunately. Yikes.
That was what we set it on. We'll do it again. We'll do it again at a later time. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Oof. Brandon Kylie. Congratulations to Justin yes, on winning congrats, a full Justin. pack of tickets. Great to tomorrow pick. night's Cardinals versus the Pirates game. Hopefully you see a winner. You got yeah. Jack Flaherty on the mound, so you should be should see a no-hitter. And now Justin, the Pirates aren't a real baseball team. That's true. And Justin, you do you do need to know that you have to take one of the three of us with those four tickets. Maybe the guy that got you to the win. That's a good point. That's actually a very good point. You gotta buy beer, though. Coming up next, the fast lane called us out yesterday. And are you guys ready to jump on the board, the Harrison Bader bandwagon? But not just the Bader bandwagon, the Bader extension bandwagon? Talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Celtics versus the Wizards, and the winner of that game will be the seventh seed for the NBA playoffs. And the Blues fall to the Colorado Avalanche in game one last night, 4-1. to one. They have today off, and they're back in action for game two tomorrow. Pre-game will start at 8.30 with Alex Ferrario. Puck drop at 9.30 with Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale. This Sports Center update was brought to you by Dobbs Tired Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service, Dobbs. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So we just had a lot of fun with the trivia segment. Yesterday some we did some fun. <laughs> yesterday some we did stupid. things a little differently. We had some trivia for the listeners. Didn't go particularly well. That's why we switched things up today. But we did mention it on our show, and I said, hey, we're not we're not doing trivia for some silly kind of trophy. We're doing trivia for tickets today, right? It's a little different than what you get on other shows. Our show is giving you tickets for it. Well, the fast lane heard what I said, and Alex, they were not thrilled with us, and they said as much yesterday us during their you? show. Say him. We are all a group. We are in this together. Uh, you call us BK and company. It's fair. That's true. Come BK on. and Ferrario, assets or asshats? <laughs> <laughs> they are both assets. Uh, did you say asshats at the end of it? I heard asshat at the end of it. Uh, Play it again. BK and Ferrario, assets or asshats? <laughs> <laughs> they are both too hard there. Uh, I heard asshats. I think that's exactly what he went with. Um, he also, uh, he, they, because they are also a group and they all are lumped in together. I thought Brad Barnes was one of my friends. The, I mean, I, I thought we had a little bit of a companionship with one another. Apparently not. I thought Jamie and I were boys. We go back to being on the radio for blues broadcasts like five, six years ago. Anthony Stalter's one of my mentors in this damn business. He's one of my groomsmen. Like, come on. BT's like a father figure to me. This might be able to be my father, actually. That's really weird. Interesting, right? I'm uncomfortable now that you said that. They also continued by demanding an apology from our show. I think that BK should deliver a, an just apology BK. Mm. Just BK to us within what do you think 24 hours should we make him get us a little trophy as an yes. apology yes i would say so okay or else things are going to get real real bad yeah and i know that he just put together a brand new grill that would look great in the back of my pickup truck yes did he put it together are we sure he, well, did, he did it he may have had to put it together and then delivered to the house. Well, either way, either I way, agree. I think it would look great, great in the back so, of my truck. So if I heard this correctly, Jamie Rivers is going to, co- to commit robbery, which is not a good <laughs> felony. thing. Felony. Yeah, it's a felony. Um, 
Did you diss their trophy? I don't remember you dissing their trophy. He did. Well, yeah. Oh, he did. I specifically said we're not giving out a silly trophy on our show. We are giving away a four-pack of tickets to Cardinals versus Pirates. I mean, let's be honest. We're going to play for something serious. Uh, that's what we're going to do here on the show. this guy. Picking fights with people in the office. Did you guys not have my back? I thought we were all for one, one for hey, all, rallying I, together. I only heard BK in that. When did I hear the Three Musketeers? <laughs> I never <laughs> agreed to a Three Musketeers reference. You here. signed up for the show, man. This is our ship. We're going down with this thing. Hey, we're all we getting fired. Yeah, eventually. but look, when the ship goes down, the captain is the one that has to stay on board while everyone else gets on the life preservers. That's a good point. Oh, don't get me wrong. Point. There will be a day when I'm fired and you guys are still here because you guys are good at your jobs and I'm not. Like that's coming. No, you I'm know what? Aware. I'm going to I'm going to stick with my guy BK because look, we're giving out Cardinals tickets. Would you rather have Cardinals tickets or would you rather have a, a trophy? silly trophy? Yeah, I never said like, silly, though. just a trophy. What's it look like? I mean, it's I would, a tiny little silly trophy. Come it's on, a, it's actually got a bowler on it which uh, is really the, weird you're the kind of guy that wouldn't like number one dad trophy well if it's coming from my kid like Actually, come on that's I a would, little different i would like a number one yeah, dad th- trophy this is coming from the fast really land cool. and god bless those plus, guys i love all of them plus, but let's be honest here look one we are not asshats we are assets two not sure i agree with that part i uh, think I, they might have been okay, right well i am not an asset i am an asset and two, see, you're abandoning BK right now. No, he just doesn't want to be considered that. That's fine. I, he can do what he'd like to do. But two, I don't agree with robbery. And Jamie Rivers is trying to steal your barbecue pit. So here's the thing. I refuse to acknowledge or issue a public apology to the fast lane for saying something that I think everybody in our audience agrees with. It's a silly trophy. And we will not be playing trivia for a silly trophy here on this very show. I know it is. Got one, him. I know it is one of the most successful radio programs and successful segments on this station, but oh, someone, we will not be following suit because we are, are not one successful. Loser. Someone said they give away tickets on top of gauntlet trophies. You guys suck. That's we fine. can't compete with that. Oh no, we suck again. We're the midday show, man. What do you want whoa, from us? Whoa, we'll whoa. cross things over with Fastlane. Fantastic midday show. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie, crossing things over with the fast lane. We got Brad Thompson in studio, and we have all of the uh, the praise coming from all corners of the world about how great our show is and how we stack up against the fast lane. That's nice. That's really good to hear. That's not every true. other show on the station is also giving away Cardinals tickets, and not just Cardinals tickets, multiple. Four packs of Cardinals tickets. And you guys are only giving out one. Are you? We just Is that true? We only did two days because our competitions aren't very exciting. Yeah, you guys oh. also have Cubs tickets. We, we, we had be, Pirates tickets. Oh, no. We, yeah, we had some Pirates tickets. Yeah. We'll have some more of those. And, yes, we will, in fact, be having Cardinals Cubs tickets. Yeah, when, when, what day are you giving? Craig Berube on. Yeah. You guys have it was great. We have Ryan Braun hey, on. Can I, Holiday on. can I tell you something? This is not a competition, okay? <laughs> this We're all is, teammates here. This is a team. See, it felt and a little together, different yesterday as I was listening to your show. Well, here's, here's the thing. And uh, look, look, uh, 
we're a, we're a team on the fast lane, but we're a part of a, a bigger team. <laughs> Why'd but, you smile when you said that? Oh, here's the thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> team fast lane uh, has a bit of an anger issue <laughs> when people poke fun at team fast lane, and then we want to burn your house down. I've had the night to steal think my about grill. And, and, and commit honestly, robbery. You can, you can burn the house down. Just please don't take my grill. Well, your house is brand new. I think that you've newly decorated. You moved it all is. the furniture. You, you guys did a lot in the last week. You guys should take his yeah. entertainment center. He just bought please that and put it together. That. God, took him like six hours to put together. It looks nice. I saw a picture you put up on, online. Thanks, like, really, really, you guys really nice. Send it to everybody to let people know that. Hey, I know how to use a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, so, I wanted to confirm to everybody. Hey, look, look, I can do things. You did it. You did, <laughs> did. it. Well, by the way, I don't know if I missed the conversation. I'm sure I did. It says, how many members of the Fast Lane have been to a Backstreet Boys concert? Were you guys talking about going to Backstreet Boys? So we did our, our trivia today. Yesterday was such an, an absolute disaster. We still know nothing about the 90s. That we decided to do trivia for Tanner today. And the listeners would okay. guess how many of the 10 90s question Tanner would get correct. Tanner knows nothing from 2000 prior. So he, he got zero it over happens. 10. Um, really? <laughs> Yeah. Did he get multiple choice? No. See, no. That's, that might have been the killer. No, but it was like choose your own blank. Okay. Um, name two members of the Backstreet Boys. Okay. Name two Spice Girls. Like it wasn't. It wasn't no. like we really dug into the '90s here. I was really digging. What'd you well, pick for on. the Spice Girls? Literally no, nothing. No, no, we, didn't, we didn't get one. I got <laughs> one. I got. Creative. I got half a point technically. Because yeah, like I got Nick from uh, yeah, he got Nick from uh, the Backstreet Okay, Boys. he got Nick by just Nick. Wasn't even it counts even though there's a question mark yeah. at the end. Yeah, well, counts you, all the same. Have you been on. to a Backstreet Boys concert? No, I haven't. Okay. BT, if if Jamie someone were Rivers to... has been to a Backstreet Boys concert, it, I would think he had to have with his yeah. kids at some point, Come right? Yeah, he's got Probably. he's got what two daughters? Come on, you well, they were we'll asking me about books from the nineties. Would you know Who's the author of Goosebumps? R.L. Stein. So if I were to ask you the question, R.L. Stein is the author of what book series? Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah well, he's not he's not my age. It doesn't matter. Are you being an ageist now, Tanner? It's <laughs> true. I got your back here. <laughs> he also said BT could be my father in the last yeah. segment. So it, there, it there's a, a weird lot going on on our show Damn, today. You know, this is happening quickly for me. <laughs> Still in my thirties. Uh, not for much longer. But uh, yeah, this is this is happening very quickly. Someone said Ferrario and BK are the Carp and Lane Thomas of the team. Hey, I'll take it. We I kept take- Roster spot over Robert Bruce. I would take that. You're doing pretty good for yourself. Yeah. Uh, which one of you has made all the money? Oh, that that's 100% Alex. All right. <laughs> very much <laughs> Alex. I hope you put those in very loose air quotes, all the money. I'm the Lane Thomas in that everybody at one point thought they would give up on me, and for some reason I just keep getting more opportunities. You, you kind of are like Lane Thomas because he dove for a ball and missed or ran into the wall. You ran into a tree walking it's at true. Ballpark Village. It's true. Try hard guy, though. If you try hard, good things will happen. I, I do believe, uh, and by the way, you're very talented also. Okay. Yeah, you're uh, an asset. If you Checks try, in the mail. Yes, you are an asset. And if you go back and listen to the chair? audio that I had yesterday, at the end of it, I circled back and said, hey, they are both. Should have said all three, but the daddy issue, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm done with you. Um, but I said they are both, in fact, assets. 65780 is the air covered service sex line. We've got the audio here. We can check this tape, BT. Go ahead. What did BT say at the end of this? Did he call us assets or ass hats? You be the judge at 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's take a listen. BK and Ferrario, assets or ass hats? <laughs> <laughs> they are both assets. Uh, assets. Sounded like ass hats. I want BT, I heard assets. <laughs> <laughs>
It's okay. definitely acid. God, you see how fast Tanner jumps off ship? <laughs> yeah. Like, he is just <laughs> out of there. He's like, hey, the fast lane, maybe I can be a part of their team. Hey, just, I've already could... left Team BK and Ferrari. Whoa, what's see? going on with the infighting here? Guys, we're, as a bigger team, <laughs> we're never going to have success if we have the infighting well, on, on our true. regular show. Well, do- we're part of that home run derby that they're doing against the okay. show. we got to talk about this big guy. Everybody love everybody! Yelly. I was is his love. unaware that you guys were like trying to win this competition. I'm sorry. Do you enter any competition that you're not trying to win? Totally. Is there anything you do in life that if in fact there's a winner or a loser, you don't want to win it? I was told, hey, the fast lane's doing like a home run derby thing out at um, in O'Fallon on whatever June sixth, yeah, right? Car Shield Field. And June they 5th. were like, hey, would you like to be a part of it? I was like, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm a t- I can't hit a baseball to save my life. Well, I'm okay. so horrible at, at baseball. Like Hopefully I haven't. Picked up a baseball bat, I think, in roughly 20 years. But, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll participate. I'm happy to go out there. And then they told me it's a competition between you guys and the Rizzuto show. Right. And I was like, oh, well, do, do, do they know that I, I can't hit a baseball? That's not going to go well. Do you know you have weeks to practice? Yeah, I've already been to the field three times. Yeah, you have, Alex. I take this serious. I, do, I don't enter competitions to Look, lose. I have faith in you. Uh, BK, I have plenty of faith in you. That being said, I am efforting another guest. And I'm still waiting to hear back if, in fact, Your team's can. dropping like flies. Uh, All I know. I know is that I you know. guys started out with two pro athletes, and now you're down to one. Yeah, and I was a pitcher. So, um, and, and Barnes, I feel like Barnes would be good at beer league softball, oh, and yeah, he's he is. down now. So right. this oh, Barnes is out too. You guys really downgraded wow. here. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, Look. maybe on one side of it, you didn't downgrade on me. BT. I think that. Yeah, I know. I got you. I know you play softball, I got you. right? Yeah, I, I got you. Asked you me to join. I was asked to me to join his team, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm really bad." Yeah. He's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah resend yeah. the offer." He he did do the warning to me, and I said, "Hey, I need a spot for for some softball if you're interested." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm bad." I said, "Okay, never mind then." We're you good. just never mind him? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Don't you think that would have been a better bonding experience no, for the show no, for you just no. to say, or or material, either That's way? True. Well, the material is going to come from that home run derby, so I figured that would present itself sooner or later. It's going to go You're really swing poorly. and miss, right? Oh, there's God. a very good chance. On a home run derby. A very good chance. Well, because you're coming out of your shoes and trying to make something happen. Yeah, I will say like this. That. The late, great Chris Duncan, I remember him and I uh, having a couple conversations because this was on the heels of uh, I had arguably one of my worst professional days ever in independent ball, giving up 11 runs in the first inning. And uh, I called Dunk, and he's like, dude, if you want to feel better, I struck out in slow pitch softball. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that kind of does do it for me, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you. I do appreciate Damn, that. that. Nice. We can, we can wallow in this together. <laughs> this is good. Well, on the plus side for you, maybe you're hitting like 10 or 12 bombs at, at the uh, the home run derby. You're like, man, I should have got 15, 20. I'll hit zero, so you could always point down and be like, hey, I did better than that guy. Can I can I tell you something really quick? And this is going to come as a shock to many listening. Um I was never the best athlete growing up where it was just like you look at the field like that guy, he's got to be the big leaguer. Look at that Thompson kid go. I didn't hit a home run my entire uh, life, uh, life basically. I hit like one inside the park home run, and it was because the guy knocked himself cold against the fence in high school. That's what's out. Just gone. And I was still almost thrown out by the center fielder. That's a home run. Yeah. So, look, it's not like I'm Johnny hit home runs. I will be on June 5th sure. at Car Shield Field to beat up on the Riz show yeah. because I care. And because uh, they threatened to burn your house down. They did. And stick a baseball bat up my tailpipe. And, again, oh, I'm not sure what wow. that means. So, same <laughs> things happen to me regularly. Well, then, 
We got to defend wait. our own honor. As, Tan, as Tanner says, that's wait, a what? weird flex. Yeah, that is a we weird see flex. What's coming up today on the fast lane, man? Well, uh, Jamie, the threat, yeah, Jamie's going to help make sense of what happened last night and Thank how God. it can get better, right? Like, like what are the small pieces that can get better? And I'm going to talk about how the Cardinals get it right back on the the right track, and it's not just because the Pirates are in. Town. I love it. There's a few different reasons why they're going to get back on the right track. Looking forward to that. That's coming up from two to six. We'll be back tomorrow at eleven on 101 ESPN. You come into this house, get what you get. Been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise.